dangerous. I was going like this. Okay. Okay, good evening. I'd like to welcome you to tonight's meeting of the Design Review Committee. Uh, Madam Clerk, could you please call the roll? Committee member Gorman. Gorman. Uh, here. Committee member Kiesel. Here. Committee member Monticello. Here. Here. Again, welcome to our meeting. Uh, this is a time that we set aside for public communication to talk about anything that is not on tonight's agenda. Uh, Madam Clerk, is there anyone who would like to speak on uh, any item not on tonight's agenda? Thank you. Public speaking. Okay, seeing agenda. none, we will move on to the next item on the agenda. Uh, item number one is a consent item, approval of design review committee December 7, 2022 meeting minutes. Uh, do we have a motion for approval and a second? Yeah, I'll make a motion to approve. Second. Madam Clerk, could you please call the roll? Okay, committee member Cormain. Yeah, got it. Okay. Uh, yes. Committee Member Kiesel? Yes. Member Tomasello? Yes. Uh, and Chair Antelman? Yes. Motion passes. Thank you. Uh, next item is a formal item number two, Project 22-0050, 350 Paseo del Playa Design Review located at 350 Paseo uh, de Playa. Uh, request for a major design review to change the color on an existing condominium. Thank you, Chair. Uh, the current item on the agenda is a request for a major design review to change paint color on an existing condo building. The site is located along the waterfront promenade next to the Crown Plaza Hotel in downtown Ventura. Surrounding land uses include residential immediately to the west as well as commercial uses immediately to the east. And at this time, we will have the applicant uh, present to the DRC.
Good evening. Thank you for having us here. My name is Jody Claus. I'm the applicant for the project. Uh, you'll see my information on the second sheet, my company, SPS Construction and Design. Um, and do you want me to just run through the slides? Jean? Just let me know when to switch slides. And I'll Thank you, I will. This slide uh, shows the proposed color change. There's also a color board on the third page of the presentation, and we'll get there in a little bit. Um, the intent of the design was to have a, a design that um, would update the look of the building, uh, modernize it a bit. Also, uh, as, the, as the bullet points on the second page show, go ahead and turn the second page, to avoid a look that would soon be outdated. And many of the, of the homeowners do feel that the building is a little is outdated. Uh, to enhance the ar existing architectural features and show that beautiful um, texture to the wood that it changes design, it, it changes orientation from vertical to horizontal in many different areas where a single color doesn't show that at all. So to really enhance that vertical and horizontal design of the wood. Also to complement the area uh, without blending in. So we've given a little color, a pop of color to, to make that happen. And then to make a tasteful statement. So that's, that's our goal. Um, and then if you go to the next slide, you can see we've used um, these colors, the heron plume, wherever there was stucco, and also wherever there were horizontal features in the window areas. And the the blue, that Luna Pier, was specifically chosen because the ocean is exactly that color of blue on a good day when it's nice and clear. It's really beautiful. So that's the color that we chose to just really, really make that water, um, to, to, to complement that water. And then the Downing Stone, if you'll go to the next page, I'll show you. Of course, the architect who originally designed this building is not available. He's no, no longer here. Um, but we, we can imagine that when he designed this building, he knew that the redwood that was originally put here was going to be exposed to the elements. It was going to be exposed to salt air. So the samples of redwood that are around this illustration here show aged redwood that had been exposed to salt air. So we can maybe imagine that that was really the intent that the original architect had over time was for those beautiful colors and wood tones to come through. But what happened was in the 1990s, and if you'll go to the next slide, in the 1990s, well, I think actually in, oh, in 1990, um, the Homeowners Association, the Board of Directors at that time, voted uh, to, to make a change. So instead of maintaining that gorgeous redwood, they thought that it was really a little bit too hard. I mean, it's a pretty massive building to maintain live wood like that. They made the decision to paint it. And they painted it this, this color. Um, it, it, it was intended to look like what the redwood 
looked like when it was originally put on the building, uh, the, the stain, but it didn't really have any kind of texture to it. It doesn't have any kind of, a, of an architectural element. It doesn't add anything to it um, other than to just, um, the, their intent was to be able to, to inexpensively keep up the building. Well, if anyone here, some will and some won't know anything about redwood, cedar's kind of the same way. The minute you put the wrong kind of clear coat or the wrong kind of paint, or the wrong kind of finish on redwood, it kills the live um, wood. It no longer will have any kind of character to it, but it also won't um, have the, the beautiful characteristics that redwood has that enables it to last for such a long, long, long time. Um, so once it's been painted, you have to continue to paint it. You have to keep that up. Um, and, there's, and there's no turning back. You paint it once, that's it. There's no turning back. So when you look at the, at the look of this building, again with that original architect's intent in mind, did he really intend for the whole building to look like that? To look just sort of monochromatic, um, with very little character, and without being able to really see those beautiful wood grains or um, even the, the change in, in direction of the wood, the way that it was laid, you really can't tell any more from that. So the new, you know, fast forward to the, the current board of directors, it's been about two years ago. This came um, to the attention of the board of directors. They put it to the homeowners association to say, why don't we make a change? Um, and there were some in favor and some against, as, as would be the case no matter what. So they put it through a vetting process that was pretty intense. It lasted over a year. Jean's been such a help through this whole process. Thank you, Jean. Um, but they vetted it for over a year, and some were very, very opposed, and some were very, very, very for it. Um, but everyone was able to have their voice heard, and that was why it took such a long time, is because they wanted everyone to be able to, to have a say and to truly be heard. And at the end of the day, and at the end of over a year, it was voted um, that the majority of those on the Homeowners Association wanted to make the change. And that's when we, um, that's when we applied, and, and that's where we are today, is we would really like to go forward. There have been some comments that we've all heard. In fact, when I was taking the photographs that you see right here, that photograph, I was standing right there on the, on the ocean side, right there on the boardwalk, and I heard a, a real estate agent talking to her, um, a couple that were considering buying in the building. And they said, you know, we would really, really love to live here, but this building is so outdated, and we, we, we're just not gonna buy. So, you know, of course the homeowners that live there, that own here, are interested in property value. And so much of the property that's around this is increasing in value, but even buildings that are about the same period are selling for a lot more, not buildings, but units, that are around the same period are selling for a lot more than what these, uh, I'm, not, I'm not here to speak about real estate value, but 
the homeowners are concerned about the value of their property and they really, really want the building updated. The other issue that they're having is time. The, the building should have been painted two seasons ago. And this, this process has taken longer than anticipated. Um, and so there's some, some concerns that some of the other homeowners might speak to uh, when it's their turn to speak. But so the maintenance needs to be done and, uh, and there's concern there. Do you have any questions for me? Anybody on the commission have questions? So typically we'll like bring it back to staff and then we'll close the presentation and then we open it up for questions of that. Okay, thank you. So, Jamie. So in conclusion, uh, staff recommends that the DRC recommend approval of this major design review with any adjustments that the DRC sees fit. And this recommendation would uh, be for the community development director to take final action at a director's hearing. Okay, now we're free to ask questions. Does anybody on the commission Sorry. have questions for the applicant? Um, I, I just got a couple questions um, having to do with um, I know, I know with the color combos that, that you have, what, what I, I, I get you on the color of the blue for the ocean, mm -hmm. and um, as far as the beige and, and that white, how, how did you get all these three colors to kind of come, come together? You know, it, it's, it's such a chore because there's so millions of colors you can choose from, and then you exactly. have a, an audience that you have to, to please, and the HOA, is, I know, I get it. It's, it's not easy, so how do, can, if you could just kind of go into that. Sure, absolutely. Color is so difficult. Even for designers, it's a difficult, difficult thing to select colors. So what I was looking for was the color of the sand. I was looking for colors that were in the area. I went through, I would have to say, probably 40 to 50 different options. And finally came, some of my colleagues tease me because I always say, when it's right, you feel peaceful. And when it got to this combination in this area, it, it made me feel peaceful. Because it really, really blended in with the area that was around it, with the intent of it looking like um, something that really blends in with, the, with, um, with nature instead of fighting it. So I looked at the, the color of the sand in that area. Sand is very, very different in different areas. And also wanted the, the white sections to really pop and really blend with the other two colors. White is the hardest of all colors to choose. And, um, and I felt that that particular combination just worked. Does that no. satisfy your yeah. question? Okay. Any more questions? A uh, couple questions on my end. I was curious, are there any, um, any exposed sort of natural materials available anywhere on, on the site? Nothing. Nothing. Isn't that sad? Wood or stone or concrete or brick. I noticed Oh, there's, the there is um, stucco. As you can see, anywhere that there is stucco, it's been uh, rendered as white. Okay. So there's stucco all along the, the bottom of the building. And then at the main entrance, if you would go to 
maybe the first slide. At the main entrance, you can see the steps there. Do you see the, the gray? Mm -hmm. That's a little pebble. Okay. And then the gray of the step itself. And I thought that all blended really well together, too. Okay. And then on the printed elevations, um, it was a little hard to discern between what the white is and the, the beige, but I, I think there's a slight difference, but the, the white is coming through pretty, pretty tan or pretty beige on here. I have a set that I could certainly send to you that I've done in fluorescent colors okay. to make it very, very easy to see what was what. It does follow very, you know, exactly to what you see in the rendering here, but for the sake of the painter to be able to see it's fluorescent pink and yellow and blue. Okay. That would help you. I, I could have bound that. I didn't think you would want it. And then um, there, it looks like there's an uh, adhered brick veneer somewhere. I'm not exactly sure which elevation this is. I was wondering if didn't... So, shown in any of the way back in the 1970s, when this was originally built, there was a bricklayer's strike. They couldn't get anybody to lay brick. So in those large sections that are, if you can, yeah, you can kind of see it, but if you went back to, the, to one of the illustrations, the large vertical sections that are white ended up being stuccoed back in the day because they, they didn't have a problem with the stucco. So you, the stucco union wasn't on strike. So anywhere that you see brick in the original plan, that would have been changed to stucco. Okay. Good question. Um, you mentioned the, the trouble with, with wood. Once you paint it, it's difficult to go back. Um, will these colors be applied over the existing color or will it be stripped first or, or anything like that? What they do, and in fact they did a test, I don't know if you're aware of the test that they did at the front. The, the, the painter that they're using is my absolute favorite. He sanded down anything that was not really, really adhering well, went all the way down to, to make sure that the surface was, you know, any painter, any good painter would do really, really good prep work. And then um, very thoroughly caulked anything, because it's still real wood down there, anything that needed to be caulked, he caulked, and he would do the same for the rest of the building. This was just during the test. Caulked anything, including the windows and around the sliding glass doors, things like that. Um, and did beautiful prep work, and then paint on top of that. So yes, that, that brighter uh, color would still be under there. They're not going to certainly sand it all off because it's years worth of layers and layers of it. But they, they, did, they will do thorough, very, very good prep work to make sure that it adheres well. And then they put a really good primer on it to block the color from shining through. Okay. And then my last question, um, I, I'm no color theorist, so, so help me here, but I appreciate the contrast, um, and I, I think generally it looks uh, really nice and an improvement. Um, the areas where you've got the blue, the kind of navy blue, ocean blue color um, abutting the somewhat darker kind of grayish, as you've described it, mm -hmm. um, you get less of that that contrast. Do you, and 
perhaps it's primarily shown um, kind of in that shadowed area in the rendering. Do you think that that's going to be any type of concern from your experience and expertise? Actually, uh, that's another good question. We did a test each way. We put the white inside the balcony there. And then side by side to it, we put the darker color. The white no one liked. What ended up happening was that it glared really badly. And, um, and no one liked it at all. So we went back to, the, um, to that grayish inside of, the, inside of the balcony areas there. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Any more questions? Uh, yes. Um, the dark color, the blue, um, what is, or not, I guess not what is, but the, um, that dark pigment is subject to fading. What is the maintenance um, schedule for the development? that they come back, make sure that they're not gonna, we're not gonna come back in five, six years and have variegated blues because of their different exposures. I believe, and we'd have to ask, Rodney is, is uh, very um, much involved with the maintenance team there, but I believe they painted every five years. So five to eight years, every five to eight years. So it will, dark paints fade over time. They do. So when, when it does, they'll determine that it's time. Yes, the brownish red fades yeah. over time. Especially modern paints or not. Mm -hmm. Okay, that was my only question. One good thing, I'm sorry. No, I just had one last question, but go ahead, you can finish. Bef yeah, before we leave that subject, um, both companies, Sherwin-Williams and Don Edwards, have done a lot of development lately in the, the, the structure of their paints to try to hold those darker colors longer. And, um, and they've given us a, a nice, not in, you know, a nice, um, I, I can't say a guarantee because it's not a guarantee, but an assurance that their new technologies have helped the colors stay fast longer. For what that's worth. Yes. They do. More so, yeah. Yeah, they do. Different areas that get um, that get the all-day sun certainly. Um, are tested more than the others that are in the shade, but yes. And, uh, this will be a very short answer, I'm sure, but uh, I was curious, um, are there any plans in the near future for the landscaping? I, I surf there, I change there all the time, I go, this landscape needs to be refreshed. <laughs> I, I know that's not related to this, but. That is not a me question. I, I, I know, <laughs> I, I understand it's, it comes down to money and all these things, but I, I'm sure that would really help it would help. The value. Yes. I'm right there. I'm, I'm not that kind of designer. Duly yes. noted. Yes. <laughs> you can talk I, to I him. It's, it's, it's pretty obvious. Yes. Yeah. I mean, okay. Some of what's in that landscape with the city, right? That's not us. <laughs> All of that? Well, this front area. Oh, just that front area. Right. Which is nice.
Got, gotcha, understood, thank you. Okay, if there's nothing more than I have a few questions, and please, please don't perceive them as being hostile. Oh, uh, I wouldn't. <laughs> just <laughs> informative. Just don't be hostile, <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, you know, half our days are foggy. Yes. Uh, and half the days are clearer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I've always wrestled, do you want warm colors in a seashore environment or do you want cool colors in a seashore environment? So I'm, I'm kind of curious, how, how do you, you think it's going to look as good in the fog as it's going to look in the sun? I do. We, like I said, we've done a test. We actually did a huge section of, of the front entry of the building as a test, and it was quite beautiful. Um, but it's not my opinion, even as a designer, it's not my opinion that mattered. It was the opinion of the homeowners in the association, and they really wanted that. They really liked it. So that um, held more weight than even, than even really my opinion does. Okay, and uh, you opened the door on this. You basically talked about presenting a concept. How many concepts did you present? Was this the only color scheme? Were, were there other color schemes? Uh, you know, sometimes when people come before us with colors, we'll bring two or three schemes mm -hmm. and ask for input. And you're coming in with one scheme, so I'm just curious how many other schemes were voted on. I presented three to the board. I vetted, like I said, 40 or 50, but presented, I thought, what was the best three. Uh, one of the schemes was a, was a brown scheme with a paint that's called black fox. So if you could think dark, dark chocolate or your favorite espresso. Um, they didn't like that one so much because they felt that it looked predated all, you know, already because of the, it was more of, a brown, more of a warm brown scheme. They felt it was predated. The third scheme that I presented, I called tomato. It had um, sort of a khaki and red base, um, and then it with, with an off-white with it, where you see blue in this illustration. There was a tomato red, and I, and I thought it was really, really uh, kind of an interesting concept um, because it sort of kept the brownish, reddish, orange feel that it already had. Um, but it had sort of an orange-red to it, not a, not a blue-red, not a Chinese sort of blue-red. Um, and that didn't fly either. Everyone liked this scheme the best. Okay, so you took a vote, and what percentage of the owners or occupants of the building approved the scheme? Again, you'd have to ask the board that question. I just know that it was a majority of vote that said they wanted to change. Okay, so it could be anything from 51 to 99, <laughs> correct? Exactly. Okay, um, then I'm going to move on. Uh, do we have any questions of staff before we move on to deliberation? Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, I'm going to open the public hearing. Is there anyone here that wishes to speak on we this have, We have six public speakers on this item. All right, and they're going to be limited to three minutes maximum each. Okay, our first pu public speaker is Darcy Kahn. Yeah. Hi, 
Hi, I'm Darcy. I'm a owner at 350 Paseo de Playa, and I'm in favor of the color change. I find it to be very coastal, beachy looking, and um, really aesthetic to the area of our, of our um, section there. Thank you. Our next speaker is Jerry Splee, and after him. It's Jerry Stein. Stein, okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> Jerry Stein. Yes. Yeah. And then next we have Andy Kahn. Yes, so hi. I am also a homeowner 350 Paseo de Playa, and I am in support of the new refreshed color schemes for a lot of the reasons that are um, specialist outlined. And I, I would just say that um, we feel like at least I personally feel like it blends a lot more with the coastal surroundings. Um, it's more refreshing. And when, when we first moved into the area, we loved the area. And, and we bought in that building in spite of the colors, which we never thought was attractive. Um, we went through a vetting process, as was, as was mentioned. Also, um, there were a number of proposals. There, were, there was another you know, group of folks that liked the existing kind of reddish color scheme. They had renderings. We actually had the association members view all the renderings. We put it to a vote. Um, the majority of the association was in favor of the, of the proposed you know, refresh color scheme. And um, I, I think it will be an asset to the community. Thank you. Next, we have Andy Kahn, and after that, we have Eric Polk. Pollock. Thank you. Hi, I'm, I'm Andy Kahn, and uh, I am also an owner at uh, 350 Paseo, and uh, we too bought into the building regardless of the color <laughs> at the time. We feel these colors are very beachy. In fact, they match the Ventura Visitor Center. Um, I realized that how in line with what Ventura is is and what it's becoming as far as a, a beach coastal community. These colors will be more easier to um, <clears throat> enjoy as a homeowner. You know, we, we love sitting on our, our balconies. We love viewing uh, where we're at. And we like also seeing it when we're on the playa and walking. And I think it's going to be a real big asset and, and a boost to what is occurring here in Ventura. Um, and. Uh, we will definitely maintain it. We're that type of a building. You never have to worry about the colors fading. I, I know how we feel about our property and the pride we have in it. I know that the process for selecting these colors was long. I know that our homeowners really care about their apartments and how they look. And uh, a vast majority, vast majority approved this. It's not just 51 to 49, that's for sure. And at the end of the day, uh, we have to paint the building. We don't want to paint it that brown. So please allow us to paint it these beautiful colors. Thank you for your time. Next, we have Eric Pollock. And after that, we have Janet Grummer. Hi there. Uh, I'm Eric Pollock. I'm vice president of the Buena Vista um, Homeowners Association. I'm a, uh, on the board. And um, I, move, I moved into this area and then bought into the, this uh, complex uh, three years ago, despite the colors. Um, 
And one of the things that was important to me and why I joined the board was so that I could help initiate change. And I helped drive getting uh, our, this building up to 2022 standards in the form of inter internet and high speed you know, television and, and brought us from the 1970s to the 2022. So I had a vested interest in really seeing the place where I live and invested my money in it becoming a place that I wanted to have my grandkids come to when I have them. <laughs> but this is where I see myself long term. And so I care, I'm on the board because I care. And you know, making, these, making this change will, will make an immense difference in not just the aesthetics, but it will help in all of our home values for all of the owners in our complex. That's it. Thank you. Janet Grummer. And after that, last, we have Rodney Blackmere. Hi, everybody. I'm Janet Grummer. I also am a homeowner at uh, Buena Vista Homeowners Association. I'm on the board of directors as well, as second vice president. And, and I am very much in favor of us getting our building painted, this new color scheme. Um, also bought uh, eight years ago, despite the fact that it is the only reddish brownish building in the area having toured the area we cannot find any other buildings that look like that brown blob um, so uh, we'd really like to see it we went through a really extensive more than a year process as jody said to look at various color schemes we looked at various whites and grays and reds and every other combination we could think of and this is the winning color scheme we hired a designer so that we would have a balanced, beautiful building that the design committee could appreciate and approve. Um, we tried not to do anything halfway, um, and we think we came up with a product that's really nice. Um, you know, this process has taken us much, much longer than we thought, and we've now been through two rainy seasons. Our building, um, we have, I, I think it's at this point, 10% of our units have leaking windows because we didn't paint and caulk and we need to get this permit approved and paint the building because it's literally at the ocean deteriorating as we speak. <laughs> and so um, I'm hoping that we can get this permit approved and get some paint on the building soon. Um, it's a really important thing for us there at the building. Um, that's it, so thank you for your consideration. And Rodney Blackmere. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, my cheat sheet, because I'm not a public speaker, this red is not supposed to match the building, but uh, it's what comes with it. Before using my cheat sheet, I want to thank the committee. You guys, uh, all of you, um, seemed engaged, thoughtful, and I appreciate that. Uh, I could just, just sitting here watching, uh, it makes a difference, at least with me. Um, speaking of Jody, uh, what a great presentation. Thank you. Uh, you know, the color of the building is, means a lot to everybody there. Uh, what she has planned makes it as close as possible to what it would have looked like 
had it never been painted in the first place, which you know, I think is pretty important going forward. Uh, you know, she stated that her goal, uh, to use her words, was to be to update it, to be tasteful, and to compliment. And I think it does all three of those. And uh, the colors that she chose, uh, timeless, nautical, and natural. And I really think that fits the bill for what we need down there on the beach. Uh, others have already said the majority of the homeowners have been for this. We went through this process. I was on the board for four years. And this whole painting project, we had hoped to do two years ago. And then other things came up, obviously choosing the colors. You heard everything that we went through got in the way. But then, you know, we started dealing with the city. And so, as Janet said, anything you could do to possibly speed this along really helps us because I'm now a one-man committee for the board for leak prevention. And obviously, with the rains that we just had, uh, we had numerous windows that need to be recocked that leaked through. We can't not let any water get in behind this redwood. I think anybody that's been in construction knows that. So uh, anything that you can do uh, uh, would help us there because that's going to be very expensive. We've already, we're trying to buy the best of the best paint and materials and everything when we do this project because it's not cheap to do. And uh, hopefully we get eight years out of it. But to address yours, if it needs to be done in five, I think you're going to find that all of the older owners and even the, especially the newer owners want to really update our building. Uh, we mentioned the internet, the repipe. We have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars repiping the building. The owners are very much in, uh, invested in this building. And as anybody knows, you put a building on a beach, it takes a lot more maintenance dollars than a building that's just five miles inland, and we recognize that. So we're trying to get ahead, and we're trying to make a better place for the city, too. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you. That concludes public speaking on this item. Okay, I'm going to close the public hearing portion, and we'll deliberate. Anyone have any concerns or discussion? Uh, if not, we could entertain a motion. Um, I, I just want to... I think commend the homeowners association for uh, what sounds like uh, a really extensive and inclusive uh, vetting process to test various color schemes, um, try to gain some consensus on on you know what is the uh, preferred color scheme for the majority of folks. I live in a three-unit townhouse, and I'm terrified of when I need to uh, <laughs> try to come to some consensus with my neighbors about a color seems go. I, I think it's really commendable that, um, you know, the process that you guys went through. Uh, in terms of the colors, I, I, uh, I'm a fan. I think um, they'll uh, blend into the landscape very well. Um, I like the idea behind, you know, matching the natural colors of, uh, of the beach from the sand to the ocean and, and clouds in the sky. Um, so uh, I I'm, I'm in favor, and I would uh, make a motion to approve or recommend approval. Okay, do we have a second? Yeah, um, I'll second that, although I do cry for the natural <laughs> redwood that uh, was painted over. I mean, I don't necessarily love it, but I don't hate it. It's perfect. <laughs> you know, and again, as you're saying, it, it is a challenge to go through this process, so I, I'm, I'm in favor. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing about 
um, the process. Also, um, someone who doesn't live there, I always used to say, tell people the, it's the red condos on the promenade. I'll meet you over there. Seeing the Luna Pier colored ones isn't going to be quite the same. But when you're there, you're at the cove. Everybody yeah, should yes. know that. And uh, I do like to commend the Homeowners Association for the process and for a very well-maintained building as well. So, Madam Clerk, could you please uh, call the roll? We have a... Okay, we have Member Cormain. Uh, yes. Member Kiesel? Yes. Member Tomasello? Yes. And Chair Antelman? Yes. Motion carries. Thank you. Good luck. Okay, we're going to move forward to item number three, which is project uh, 15391, Park Plaza Major Design Review, located at 701 Santa Clara Street. And this is a request for a major design review for a five-story mixed-use building with 80 multiple-family residential units. Chair Antelman, I'll need to recuse myself from this item. Uh, have a I'm conflict sorry, DRC, if we could just take a moment. To, to let everyone exit the building. Thank you. Thank you, sorry. We had a little bit difficulty hearing there, so do, do you mind starting again this item? Thank you. Sure. Uh, Member Tomaso is recusing himself. He has a conflict on this project. Uh, committee member Thomasol, do you mind just quickly stating your conflict before you do go? Yeah, my conflict is uh, our office is is uh, working on the architecture design for the project. Thank you. And if we could just give committee member Thomasello a moment to to exit okay. before continuing. Okay. Before we proceed, do any of the members have any ex parte communications concerning this project? Okay. None being noted. Uh, can we have staff presentation? Uh, good evening, Chair Alvin, DRC members, members of the public. Uh, before we get started, my name is Netta Zayer. I'm the Acting Community Development Director. I'm joined this evening with Principal Planner Levi Hill, who will be giving the presentation. Uh, thank you to the members of the public who are here. I see a lot of familiar faces, but in case this is your first meeting, um, just to give you um, just a quick synopsis of how the presentation will, will continue. I know we got a preview in the former item. Them, but uh, staff will give a brief overview of the project and then we will turn it over to the applicant team who will talk in more detail about the project itself. Um, the scope of the design review committee is really to discuss the design of the project. This committee will not get into the details of regulations such as density, um, such as parking requirements or details of regulations. They will be speaking in terms of materials, colors, massing, scale, things of that nature um, uh, pertinent to the design review committee portion. Um, if you are going to give public comment, if you have not already filled out a public comment slip, please do so and hand it to Heather who uh, will read your name during public comment. Public comment will be limited to three minutes. To be clear, uh, public comment is not a, I apologize for the vacuuming outside, um, it's cleanup time. Um, Public comment will not be a question and answer time, so if you do have questions about details of the project, uh, the project planner can, uh, Levi Hill can uh, 
touch base with you after for further questions. Um, but the, the design review committee is going to receive your comments and um, take those into consideration as they del deliberate through the project. Uh, if you do have uh, what would be most helpful and useful to them is if you have comments related to the design um, so that that can help them in their deliberations. You're welcome to comment on other aspects of the project, but that would be the most useful to them. Um, and so with that, I'll go ahead and turn it over um, to Mr. Hill, who will begin staff's presentation. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Uh, good evening. The next item on tonight's agenda is a request for design review for a five-story mixed-use building. The project site consists of one parcel at the northeast corner of East Santa Clara Street and First Street with an area of 0.6 acres. The parcel is currently developed with a 19,500 square foot one-story Spanish-style office building with 12 surface parking stalls at the rear of the building. The area around the site is characterized by an urban form through a rectilinear street grid and short to moderate block lengths. Urban-style development characterizes the adjacent building configurations, often with buildings built close to the sidewalk with minimal landscaping between the building and sidewalk. Surrounding uses include a mix of businesses, residences, and park open space. A three to four story building is situated along the eastern property line with one story office building across the street and of course, park, uh, and of course Plaza Park located southwest of the project site. This slide provides some additional context to the surrounding character of the area. The top image shows the project site looking north from the intersection of Santa Clara and First Street while the lower image shows the project site looking east along Santa Clara Street. The immediate area is well connected through an existing sidewalk network. First Street is a two-lane local street that connects with Santa Clara Street and East-West Arterial Road, which provides access through downtown. So a little bit of background. This site has had two previous conceptual reviews presented to this committee. Uh, the first is shown in the image at the upper left of the slide was reviewed in 2018 and received comments regarding the building massing, pedestrian and vehicular access, and also comments regarding enhancing open spaces and courtyards. Uh, the second conceptual review is shown in the image to the upper right corner of the slide was reviewed in 2021. And at that time, the DRC recommended, uh, sorry, Architectural styling to be reconsidered, um, also recommended that the massing should be further evaluated and that a corner element uh, possibly be incorporated into the design. The proposed project before you tonight consists of a single commercial block building type uh, with mixed uses. It consists of a total of 80 residential units, 2,400 square feet of ground floor commercial space and 90 off street parking spaces. The proposed building is five stories in height, measuring 72 feet, 72 feet and seven inches uh, to the top of the parapet. The building has one level of parking on the ground floor and four levels of housing above. There's also one level of subterranean parking below grade. Ground floor residential units are designed as live work units with shop front uh, frontage types along both Santa Clara Street and First Street. Uh, stacked dwellings are proposed on the upper floors of the commercial block building type. Uh, the project proposes landscaping along the perimeter of the building in the courtyard, rooftop terraces, and corner plaza. Open space is provided in courtyard area at the podium level facing Santa Clara Street that measures approximately 360 square feet. Additional open space is provided as a rooftop terrace. 
At this point, we'll welcome the applicant team to the table to make their presentation, and then we'll bring it back in for a staff summary before public comment. team, architects, landscape architect, and our developer representative, Microphone. thank you, uh, and our developer representative, uh, John Kulsevich, who was, uh, did you want to introduce any of this? Sure. Yeah. I want to thank Levy for the presentation. It was very good. Uh, thank you for design committee meeting us uh, for the third time. As looking at the agendas from the last two times, I, see, I noticed, uh, Albert, you're the only oh, remaining want. member <laughs> from the uh, time. I want to give this time to uh, Nick and his team and Brian to present our project. I just wanted to make uh, comments in case you weren't uh, here previous design meetings. Each time we received comments and we took them to heart. We went back to the drawing board. We put a lot of time and a lot of effort trying to make the building what the design review committee uh, could possibly approve. And this is what Nick is here today to present to you. Thank you. Thank you. Next slide, please, Levi. Um, I guess first I want to point out that we weren't involved in the previous two iterations. We're new to the process. Uh, John had reached out to us probably 18 months ago, I think, is when we first got involved in the project. Um, and. As I think as we're all aware, the um, downtown is under some interesting pressure to evolve and uh, the state has stepped in to um, sort of further uh, facilitate that evolution and we understand that it's creating some challenges, some, some friction. I, I want to say that we and the developer uh, are trying very hard to create projects that are meeting the, the housing goals and the need and also uh, designing them to the best of our ability to fit into the community to provide the, the, the needed housing and to fit into the context. So um, this, this project is in, uh, particularly uh, responding to the sort, sort of precedent of historic character. We've heard a lot of people you know, concerned that there's too much uh, similar and modern stuff happening and while I'm um, a fan of contemporary architecture and I think codes are changing and uh, requirements for sustainability and energy and a lot of other forces are acting on these buildings that are are pushing them in a different direction we wanted to give some specific attention to trying to create a building here that fits in with the existing character of downtown in a more uh, direct way so just walk through the slides I guess Levi um, so, you know, as, as I think most of us are aware now, um, the, the general plan and the, and the city council's uh, uh, strategy is infill first. That's what we're trying to do rather than build further onto our hills and out into our orchards. Um, we want to preserve those lands. And what that means is that the development intensity is, is um, 
increased on our existing properties. And I'll, I'll, this may scare some people, but I'll tell you that every parking lot I drive past, I see opportunity. Um, and I, you know, I, I think that we're going to see some significant changes in the community over the next two decades. Um, so directing development inward away from farmlands and hillsides, reusing developed land that is not serving a highest and best use, building the needed housing and services in proximity to jobs and local transit. And that is really key from, from my view. Uh, that, that goes to making housing, even when it's not designated affordable, it goes to making housing more affordable because people have the option to live in a place where they don't need to get in a car every day and drive everywhere. So um, as, as we start to look at the broader strategy of the community, go ahead and, and run through these, Levi. Um, the idea that we would build in these kind of concentrated areas that are associated with a, a, a strategy of transit connection and that the corridors will become um, more transit oriented um, is, is something that uh, we frankly have been talking about this for about 30 years now and it's been quite gratifying actually to see this strategy not only taking root here in Ventura but also becoming a, a um, a general sort of agreed upon strategy throughout Southern California. This is starting to happen. So we'll see that streets like Maine's, in this case Santa Clara, actually now shifting over because of some interesting things that have happened during the pandemic. We've kind of rediscovered um, a new purpose for our downtown Main Street, which is really interesting. But Santa Clara and Thompson, Santa Clara being a local serving transit corridor and Thompson being the more um, uh, broader serving transit corridor. Uh, I think we're, you know, we're going to see development responses in, in regards to that, that approach. And uh, again, creating walkable centers. And these centers ideally are serving the people in the existing stable neighborhoods around the centers as well, not simply serving the people who are in the new developments. Um, and I, I think that's a very positive thing. Uh, next slide, please. So the downtown specific plan talks about respecting history while evolving beyond the present, creating walkable, sustainable, and vital urban context, and providing housing for a diverse population in proximity to jobs, daily needs, and local transit. Next slide. And you're going to hear me say this a lot over the next five years, so my apologies. Um, we consider every project within the community a puzzle piece and how it fits into the existing setting, the existing context, and how it further evolves that. Next slide, please. And so overlaying the downtown specific plan on the downtown, you can see where the, the darker colors represent, uh, to some extent, a greater intensity. Uh, interesting that the way the community is developing, that's not you know, quite panning out. They're in some of the lighter area to the upper uh, left, the wave is, is in that area, and that's one of the more intense uh, residential buildings in the downtown. Next slide, please. So the core area, kind of the center of the downtown and the, the, the area where, you know, when we talk about downtown, we sort of think of this area, uh, is also bounded by uh, two other neighborhoods, the west, the west side of downtown and the east side of downtown. Go ahead and, and fan through those, Levi. Uh, some key open spaces. We don't, one of the things that we're lacking, frankly, in, in our downtown and, and in other parts of our community that are going to become more urban is open space. And it becomes rather precious. Now, in this case, we're right across the freeway from a lot of open space, the ocean, the beach, 
uh, some, some great public amenity. But in the downtown core, it's really Plaza Park and Mission Park, and those, those are the two pieces of land you see there. Um, this project happens to be, next slide please. Happens to, oh, so this is the, the transition of, of Main Street from a car corridor to a walkable corridor. Next slide please. So here's the project site, Caddy Corner from Plaza Park. And at the, at the um, easterly end of this new walking uh, corridor, which, you know, the future of that is not determined yet, but it's been really fascinating to see the community's response to what happens when we close Main Street down and turn it into a walking environment. And I, I was joking that if I had proposed that before the pandemic, I would have been run out of town. Um, it's really been one, quite wonderful to see how that's been embraced. Uh, next slide, please. So yeah, we have a, a walking district. We have the, the west and the east neighborhoods, and each of those has their own kind of centers of intensity as well. Next slide, please. <clears throat> yeah, let's just keep going, Levi. <laughs> Maybe I have too many slides. Oh, this is, so this is Santa Clara now becoming the local transit corridor. It, it was Main Street, uh, but shifting the strategy and then Thompson becoming the sort of through, through passage, and then uh, approximations of where some of those bus stops are. And staff uh, has actually, city staff has actually approached us about uh, creating a, a new form of bus stop at this project that we'll talk about a little more, where the bikes are separated from the car traffic by the bus stop uh, platform itself. Next slide, please. Yeah, transit connections. Then this, uh, this shows you the, the inner green circle is a, a five minute walking radius, about, about a quarter mile. And then the outer green circle is a 10 minute walking radius. That's about a half mile. And so it's, it's really important, I think, to understand that this is one of these parts of the community where you can live a life without a car if you so choose. Uh, and my understanding is that amongst younger people, that's becoming more of a, um, of a trend for various reasons. One is economic, but another is simply lifestyle. And of course, the idea that we're working from home and working remotely and, um, you know, that's change, we're changing our, our patterns uh, rather rapidly, actually. Next slide, please. Yeah, five minute walk, 10 minute walk. Next. Okay, so here's the site. The, I don't know if you all remember, but I, and I believe it's the, this, this developer, our development team, um, owns this building and about 15, 18 years ago, there weren't windows in this building like that. The, the facade along First Street was pretty solid, and I think they did a, a renovation on it to make it more habitable, more leasable. Um, John may comment on that. But it's not a landmark. We, we did have the historic assessment done on it. it. It isn't a landmark. It's not actually all that well constructed if you really get into the nuts and bolts of it. It was originally part of the, to my understanding, it was part of the Pack Bell, which is now AT&T property, and there, were, there was a relationship between the large uh, four-story uh, windowless bunker and, uh, and this building on the corner. Uh, next slide, please. So yes, we're, we're, we're talking about change, um, absolutely. Um, of all the places where you could build a new building like this in downtown, this is a spectacular site. It, with Plaza Park as its, as its neighbor, uh, this will increase the safety of Plaza Park, the, the windows, the eyes on the street, um, 
the opportunity for these people to benefit from and use Plaza Park and participate in events that happen there. Uh, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. And there aren't a lot of opportunities like that in our community yet. We just don't have very many of them yet. Next slide, please. So this is looking from First Street towards, uh, towards the south, the property there in the center. And there's, there is an interesting craftsman-style house here that was probably built about 100 years ago. Um, and a kind of sp Spanish hybrid next to that. Uh, and then you can see the uh, AT&T um, equipment building behind here. And I, I wonder if, if everything that's in there could fit into a suitcase now with the new technology, but the building is there and it's probably gonna be there for quite a while. Next slide, please. So here's the new proposal. And yes, it's a change. And it's doing what the downtown specific land generally calls for, an intensification and a more efficient use of valuable downtown urban land. Next slide, please. Uh, we're, as we've been doing on, on some of these projects, and I mentioned that open space and, and gathering space in downtown is um, rare. Uh, we're carving out a, the corner of the building to create an urban plaza. Um, it's large enough for a cafe to, to benefit from or from people, for people to gather and uh, just you know, be on the street. Uh, it's not reserved simply for residents. And then you can see um, to the far left the terrace of the courtyard, which also overlooks the street rather than being buried inside the building. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. And then, of course, you can see the, the roof terrace. It was referred to that the building's five stories tall, but I think if we, if we work within the context of the downtown specific plan, we really should talk in terms of four point something stories and three points on, you know, that, that, that language. This building, I think, as it turns out, is about four point, uh, just under 4.4 stories. Sounds a lot better than five to me. Uh, next, please. Just a detail of the street. And some, you know, we're, we're looking at rich materials, brick and uh, a cast stone and um, varying colors and varying details. Next slide, please. The courtyard. Next slide roof terrace. One of the things about these buildings I'm really excited about is that this, this is an inclusionary housing project. There are affordable units in here for very low income, which means that the, uh, someone who serves you lunch uh, might have a glass of wine and watch the sunset with you in the evening, and I think that's extraordinary. And this is not something that has been available in, in communities uh, like Ventura, like most of Southern California. This is a new, new trend that I think is something to be appreciated. Um, so yeah, that's, that to me is, is very exciting. So regarding the design comments, the staff offered a number of comments to um, sort of fuel the, the dialogue. And so what we've done is we've responded to each of those uh, to um, also fuel the dialogue. So regarding the design comments, the design's been carefully modulated to avoid appearing as a single mass. The ground floor commercial is required to be higher than a typical floor and that pushes the height of the building up. I think it's also a very good thing to do for the vitality of those of those ground floor uses to elevate that floor. You see, this is a traditional design response. You see it uh, all throughout downtown where the, the shop fronts are, are tall and the interiors are high. Taller, denser buildings are historically appropriate in a urban context and uh, they scare us because we're used to sprawl and we're used to, sp to spread out low low-rise development. So this is definitely a, a, a significant change in that sense 
and the character of the development that we're accustomed to. Traditional denser development provides a key solution in solving our housing crisis. Thank you. Next slide. Um, regarding design comments, question number one, would the design benefit from use of additional exterior materials or colors on the east interior side elevation? And number two, should the concrete base on the east elevation include some type of treatment to break up the blank concrete portion of the building? So no question, the, this elevation is greatly simplified as we compare it to the other elevations of the building. And I think if you look at other buildings in downtown, such as the Masonic Lodge, the Earl Stanley Gardner building, the Ventura Inn, you will see a very similar response even 80 years ago, uh, 100 years ago. Um, in this case, next slide please. Uh, in this case, we have a, a building that is 10 feet away from ours, which is um, significantly um, large and windowless. It's kind of an unusual context, actually. But we would much prefer not to spend uh, money decorating something that people are not going to enjoy and put that money onto the public face of the project. Uh, next slide, please. Question, would the design benefit from use of additional exterior materials or colors on the east, uh, wait, on the, should the Congress, so th those notes are left over from the previous, no, I guess, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I haven't reviewed my uh, PowerPoint. This is, this is here to show us the, um, the Pac Bell, the AT&T building, and, and what our neighbor is. So next slide, please. <laughs> sorry about that. Uh, would the design benefit from breaking up the massing along Santa Clara in an effort to be more compatible with existing surrounding buildings? And I'm not, honestly, I'm not quite sure why this question is there. I can't imagine breaking this thing up anymore. I, I just can't imagine breaking it up more. I think we're, we may be pushing the boundaries of breaking up, but um, we're, we're trying to respond to that increment that the code is talking about and that you've been talking about previously. Next slide, please. And just go ahead and circulate through these, Levi. So you can see that, you know, we've, we've really gotten this thing down to some a serious incremental study to create some variation in the character and yet still have it feel like it's it's a unified whole and and by the way in some ways bringing more um, I guess bringing the the AT&T building more into the context here it's it's going to actually fit with this building very well and and I think it's interesting to note that most of us don't see that building anymore we we just walk past it, drive past it, we don't even notice it. Next slide, please. So should the corner height at First Street and the alley provide a step back on the upper levels at this corner in order to create a greater compatibility between the proposed and existing structures? And we, we certainly understand the, the origin and intent of this question. I think that the, the reality is in these downtown contexts is that you, you get this adjacency of two-story, three-story, four-story, five-story, these adjacencies happen, and they happen in our downtown all over the place, and I don't think anyone finds them terribly offensive. So we're offering a few examples, if you could scroll through those, uh, Levi. So this is the, the AT&T building, and there is, in fact, a, a little craftsman house tucked in there, and then there is a um, more contemporary mixed-use building next to that. This is the Wave, and the, next to it is a... Um, I think primarily a single-story uh, senior housing project uh, right adjacent to it, and they seem to get along just fine. And then this is the Ventura Inn next to a commercial building with offices on the second floor and a rather large, relatively blank wall. 
and again, that's a very normal part of an urban context. Um, so, you know, our our um, uh, position is that we feel like we've we've created a proper contextual response for that uh, elevation. Should additional landscaping and or open space be incorporated into the project? Should the sidewalks be widened further to enhance the public realm experience? Next slide. So when we get into the, the, the nuts and bolts of the downtown specific plan, it's very um, directive about how courtyards will be handled. And I think it's, it's, um, it's a very unfortunate thing that, that it was set up to be so limiting that the courtyard shall be in the rear yard, the courtyard shall be a certain dimension, and there is no mention in the downtown specific plan of roof terraces, of other ways of, of responding to design. And the reality is nobody wants to design buildings that do what that downtown specific plan is saying. The courtyards don't serve the residents well when they're shoved to the back of the property. Um, the, the plan seems to assume that everyone's going to do a double-loaded corridor building, and what we're doing is we've, we, we could do a double-loaded corridor building, but what we've done is pulled those, those, build, those um, stacks apart to create light and air so that every dwelling in the project gets cross-ventilation and natural light all the way down to the, to the courtyard level. So uh, next slide, please. Go ahead and circle through this one, Levi. I'm sorry, I've got... So we have widened the sidewalk by as much as two feet along First Street. We've created a plaza. The, the 507 square feet is not the size of that plaza. The plaza itself is actually close to 1,500 square feet. The portion that is on our, within our property line is the 507. We have a courtyard of 1,645 square feet. Next slide. We have atrium courts that have uh, planting in them and light and air for the tenants. And then we have a roof terrace of 3,660 square feet. So our, our minimum requirement of open space is 5,500 square feet, and we're requiring about um, just shy of 7,000 square feet of open space in the project, about 25%. Next slide, please. Yeah, and the roof terrace. Next slide. Next slide. So this is the atrium corridor, and this is something that I've been pushing uh, a lot within our own designs. And, and response, and the idea that um, in a coastal setting, you would have a double, if, if this were designed as the double loaded corridor stacked building that the downtown specific plan seems to assume everyone's going to do, we would be looking down a dark hallway with doors in it. Um, what we're doing is blowing that apart. We're, we're tearing it apart so that people can walk through here in fresh air, they can open windows to their units, have cross ventilation, um, planting, uh, and I, I just find it to be a, a much more livable solution. Next slide, please. And this is moving up uh, to, to the next levels. So um, that's, our, that's our proposal for distributing open space throughout the project. The staff did approach us, uh, the planning staff and the um, traffic planners approached us about the possibility of creating a, almost like a demonstration project here. Uh, what you're seeing is a bus stop platform that is pulled away from the sidewalk and the bike lane continues between the sidewalk and the bus platform. And the reason for that obviously is if, if we don't do that, then the bicyclists are forced out into the traffic lane to get around the bus when it stopped. 
and um, it just creates a, a, a very significant hazard. I love this idea because it also tends to slow traffic down. It just visually is going to slow people down, and it places a certain importance on the bus. And you know, clearly in our in our in the context of our community right now, buses are not that important. Bus stops are not that important. Um, I think we're going to start to see that evolve, and it will especially evolve if we deliberately and intentionally plan for it to evolve. So next slide, please. So here's a, a bird's eye view. Go ahead and, and run through this, Levi. This shows where that bus stop is intended, the island, and then where the, the bike lane would be. And then you can see the corner plaza, of course. And then the, we've widened the, the first street sidewalk. Go ahead. And yeah, you can keep going. Next slide, yeah. So just the elevations, you can buzz through these fairly quickly. I think there's, I've said everything I could say about them, but I think it's good to just see the architecture. Um, just it, These are here for reference if anyone wants to discuss what's going on at the, at the floor plan levels. And then we have the landscape plans here, and I think uh, Brian was going to speak to some of this. If I can shut up for a minute. Yeah, sure. Um. <clears throat> So um, I'm just going to walk you through the amenities that are related to the open spaces that we've, we've incorporated as part of the landscape design for the project. Um, so maybe answer a few questions before they occur tonight. Um, so starting at the ground level, um, as mentioned, the sidewalk has been expanded both on the First Street and the Santa Clara Street sides. Um, the street trees that you see there are specifically um, as uh, are designated based on city direction. So we did communicate with the city. They did tell us what trees they wanted. They told us how many they wanted, and um, and that's why that's what you're looking at on this particular plan. We do have a jacaranda at the corner. Um, that plaza at the corner. The overall dimension is around 30 feet by 50 feet. If that helps you um, a little bit with scale. So it's it's a little bit. I think it's a its size is very nicely. It's a little bigger than it might appear um, in, in our renderings. Um, the street tree on fir is a an Arbutus marina strawberry tree, and then a Chitalpa on uh, Santa Clara Street. Uh, let's see. And then at the back of the property, at the very top of that slide. Uh, we have a vertical tree to help to scale with the with 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 the height of the building there. So um, that's a that's a tree that grows fairly quickly. It's it's a vertical tree. It's called sweet shade hymenosperum, and it'll reach a height of 30 or 40 feet, and it's very narrow, so it'll fit very nicely there. Next slide, please. Next slide. So this slide depicts the second floor on the left of the podium, and then on the right, uh, wait a minute, where are we? The I'm sorry, it's, it's just the, the opposite. Right. I'm sorry, yeah. the roof terrace is on the left, and the, and the second level podium is on the right. Let's start on the right. That might make it a little more understandable. Uh, those, cor those open corridors that were discussed are shown with planters and a mixture of plants on the right side of that slide, you know, in an L shape. And then on the left, there's a, uh, an open space that we have worked hard not to over program. There is a trellis that runs 
along the left side of that that uh, reads from the street and provides a covered, a neat little covered view area. Um, at the base of that particular courtyard, there's a, a barbecue counter, cooking little cooking island, and then there are benches that surround that plaza with a um, with some sort of a feature in the center. The idea there is to keep keep it fairly open because there's a mixed, uh, a multi, I'll call it a multi-use, might be an exercise room, we're not sure exactly what the use is that spills from the building at, below the courtyard into that space. And it would also serve as a sort of a passive place for people to go and, and just sit when it's not being used. But I would suspect that there would be furniture uh, in that plaza that would serve the outdoor cooking um, amenity. On the left-hand side, uh, you move up to the upper roof terrace, and it's a little more, it's a, it's a bit complicated, actually. If you look at that little wedge-shaped piece, um, that is the barbecue uh, sort of cooking area. Mm -hmm. um, and, it's, and then there's a, a large social area. The very very corner um, has a has a, a seat wall height planner in the center, and then uh, bar bar counter seating around the edge that overlooks. It's going to look at the ocean and the rest of the downtown. And then to the right of that, we actually have a raised, a slightly raised. I think it's 12. We're proposing it be about 12 inches above um, the the other portions, and that will be there's a fireplace. And then there's uh, additional seating, and that's under under a uh, open cover. So I think we should keep in mind that this project is across from a park. And so there's a very, very large green open space across from this project. And so it's a great opportunity to, to create a lot of different spaces for people to live in. And um, if you're a tenant here, or a visitor, I mean, there's just lots of great places to go. And these roof terraces are quite amazing. Um, I hope that some of you have, have experienced some of the, the, new, the new buildings in town, maybe Transmission Brewing. Um, there's, you know, being up high and getting to look out over the city and seeing the ocean is a really nice shared community uh, view of, mm. of our greatest resource, I think, which is the ocean. So anyway, that's a, that's a quick run through of some of the amenities. Because uh, the, the open spaces on this project are, 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 are really appropriate. And it's just a matter of um, you know, fitting together the pieces of the puzzle and, and providing the amenities that we think that, uh, that, that the tenants will want. It'll make it a very attractive uh, development. Anyway, I'm available for questions. So that, that just about uh, concludes things. I think you know what what Brian is talking about. Um, I, I recognize we recognize that um, staff and you know current leadership we, we've we've inherited the existing codes. They were written you know 15 years ago basically, um, well-intentioned codes. But I can tell you, having had to, to design with them, and I'm sure Al, at least you've had to deal with this for some time now. Um, it. It's extremely prescriptive and does, to a certain degree, inhibit um, creative thinking and the idea of evolving the way that we use these urban uh, amenity spaces. And um, so, you know, I think we've been uh, trying very hard to help people understand what the real opportunities are and design projects that are responsive to our climate, our setting, and. Uh, the new direction that 
this urban architecture is taking. So we are available for questions and appreciate the time to spend with you. Steph, you want to proceed with your... Yeah, we'll wrap it up real fast. Thanks, Nick. Thank you. Overall, staff believes the building displays a range of architectural expression that complements the urban fabric of downtown and incorporates public improvements that will further enhance the pedestrian experience. Staff recommends the DRC provide a recommendation of approval to the Planning Commission with feedback or guidance uh, on the following items. This slide lists the outstanding items that staff would like additional DRC feedback on. However, the DRC is not limited to these topics when making recommendations. This concludes staff's presentation, and we're happy to answer any questions. Okay, do we have any questions of staff? If not, if we can proceed. Questions of the applicant? Uh, yes, I have a few. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I guess this would be more directed to the developer. Um, in the previous two, um, previous two submittals, uh, the first one you had 77 units and you had four stories. On the second submittal, you had 63 units, four stories. Now we have five stories for 80 units. What, what happened over the course of that time that these numbers were the way they are? The last set of numbers, as Nick uh, mentioned, uh, incorporates the low income. Uh, portion. Uh, I don't believe that the first two versions had that uh, allowance. So we're uh, uh, injecting uh, the expected density bonus uh, from the state in this last rendering. And also the design review, review committee um, at the last round thought that the building was too broken up. Uh, uh, so we went from a, a single brick kind of element to a two broken up kind of element and we feel that this third version went back and meshed the, the two uh, uh, back together. Okay. So if I'm looking at it and then adding three additional units from the first notion increase the building height by one story? Uh, it, as Nick said, it's just a little above 4.25 I think uh, or 4.5 stories actually. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm um, sorry we don't have the elevations present from yeah, the previous I was in, renderings, but I uh, was on DRC for that first time, so okay. I don't remember what. It, I, I think also our approach to open space is very different than those first two, and that changes the mass and volume of the structure. Um, with that in mind, there, are, I know, and I appreciate the instead of putting the double loaded corridors, these wider spaces. However, if we look at the um, if we look at the uh, units that are in the interior to the whole site, there's a strip of units that are basically in the middle of the building. When we look at the upper floors, they are kind of landlocked. They don't have open space around them. Um, if it's go to the fourth and fifth, that's, that's where I saw it. So if we look at particularly the end unit there, uh, in the middle, the 
the row of five, it almost seems to be completely surrounded by walkways. Yeah, that one. Yeah, so it actually, this, this walkway does not continue all across. It pulls it back. It's only about five feet out from here. So that is designed and very similarly to the other one. That graphic shows it as though it's filled in all the way, and it's not. OK. I just concerned about the availability of light to those units. It's similar to what's happening on the other end there, is how that's. The, um, I did also have a concern about the um, northwest corner um, against the, uh, the single-story Craftsman. What is the, is it Craftsman or residence or is it commercial use? Do you know? I, I've always assumed it was a residence. I, okay. I've never had done any business there. I All don't right. know. Okay, it's the, zoned for commercial. Okay, that adjacency uh, because there, whereas on the corner you have the four stories, on that particular corner you have five against that one story. Um, did you look at, at dropping that or removing a unit there to ease some of that transition? So we, we did, you can see we pulled back a little bit here, just, just a gesture. Uh, we pulled back this area where the entrance is we pulled back from the property line along the alley to provide some trees to soften it you know there's there is some some gesture there um, and there's a you know a, an alley separating there it'll be a 20-foot alley when all said and done so. as as compared to around the block where the AT&T building basically swallows the little house Oh, the elevations show fireplaces. Now there's one on the rooftop that is a fireplace or a barbecue or something. Mm -hmm. um, there are a couple others on the building. What are, are there fireplaces in this building? Are you talking about when you said the elevations show fireplaces, you mean they show chimneys? Is that what yeah, you mean? chimneys. Yeah, so. Are those, or vents or what? Go to the perspective view. Uh, yeah, so yeah, this is an exhaust vent for the garage. Okay. Um, and other things. Um, and likewise, and you know, to some extent, we're also trying to give the skyline a little bit of interest. Right, that's it for me right now. Can we come in? Uh, I have some uh, questions here. Yeah. Um, on the corner plaza, there's that big planter. Um, did you consider leaving that open? Why the the um, planter, the raised planter right there? Is, is that a major entrance to anything, or is that, again, just a series of units? Just it's shop front entrances. It's a, it's a shop Not front. a major. The major entrance is uh, up First Street. And the, and the planter, um, it's the way it's shown now, design development could change it slightly. Uh, depending on if we have a use, but at currently that's 10 feet by 10 feet, so it's quite large. So it could get a little smaller and open that up a little bit. But the I, the the intent is always it's an urban space. There's a lot of traffic in that corner. 
the idea is to create some sense of separation from the street so it's not completely exposed to the corner. Um, could be restudied, but that was sort of the, the design intent. I was just curious on that. And then I, kn I know you guys mentioned um, that you widened the sidewalks. What was it? Is it like six now? Is that it's eight. It's eight now. Okay, so you got two more feet. So and, and in addition, uh, if you look at the elevation of the building, especially on Santa Clara Street, the, the shop front entrance is actually recede into Seed. the building, giving a greater sense of space to the, to the sidewalk. And, um, and as far as context goes, uh, that sidewalk will be wider than all of the adjacent sidewalks. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you. Um, as far as the AT&T building, does anyone know, are, are there any, is, how long is that, is that building going to stay there forever at this point? Any, any Would you like to call them and find out? <laughs> Would you like to call them and find out? I have no idea. I have been in communication with them. Uh, they asked their help, our help uh, replacing their um, emergency generators uh, within the last year. So it's my understanding that that uh, hub will be there for an extended period of time. By the way, the fiber feed uh, from that building feeds this uh, city hall. Okay. <laughs> okay. We don't want it to go too far. <laughs> yeah. Okay, just wanted to yeah, see how long that was going to be there, um, considering you're leaving the facade pretty sure. plain there. Um, and then I, I know things seem fairly tight in, in the corridors on the podium level, and um, were, was there ever any consideration into like private patios, some units having private patios? Like, I guess it, it is kind of too tight there for that, but I don't know if that was ever looked at. Yeah, in, in an urban context, private patios are are pretty rare. Um, we on the uh, ironically on the east side, we've got the opportunity to put some patios at the at the podium level. Um, but to be you know frank about it, I think our intention is that people will gather and socialize on the roof terraces and the courtyards and the, and out in Plaza Park and you know there's lots of places to spend time outdoors. Um, I noticed that the rhetoric is a lot of trees. Um, very nice renderings, by the way. Um, that they're more of a vertical nature, but yet the, the trees that are being specified tend to be a little, I'd say a little smaller in, in stature verticality and a little more broader canopies. Did you consider looking at other tree species or is that pretty much where, where the are city you? said, this, these are the trees that you're are using you? on, on both sides of, I think it was like fir and on Santa Clara. Yeah. the the. Um, the city tree coordinator or parks, I'll say, um, they very specifically in comments from the city, they said, we want to see these trees on these streets. Um, I agree that the Arbutus marina is a broad tree. It's a messy tree. And, it, you know, 10 feet of sidewalk is 10 feet of sidewalk. It's, it's just not a great deal of sidewalk. And um, they can be managed, obviously. But I, it wouldn't be my first choice. I think it's a very popular tree, but I don't think it's a great choice. And yeah, we have we have existing palm trees. Um, there are very few street trees actually on fir, but there are some palm trees up and down the street. We're going to be removing those from both sides of the building. Okay, and, and I, I did. S there was no mention of the uh, paving materials on the podium. Is that going to be? Uh, are you going to do the? Bison system there, or, or what's? Um, traditionally, we use a paver system. Like the 
pedestal system. Okay, yeah, you're going to use that. Yeah, he said paver pedestal system. I'm just saying it so people can hear it behind us. Right, got you, got you. And um, are you going to keep those pavers pretty much one consistent kind of color, or are you going to do any other patterns in there? I hope we'll have fun with it. Uh, that'll be design development, okay. I think. Okay. Yeah. And um, on the the images of the renderings on the very top roof, it, it was couldn't quite make out what is that just planters on if you could go back to that one slide if you don't mind so called a place the to live or something plaza there there there's a close up one that you had yeah it was titled a place to live it shows the rendering of the oh, room. sorry a place to live yeah that one yeah yeah what are on the left or is that just planters where it looks like somebody's looking over the corner there on, so on the very left. Yeah. This yeah. is a this is a actually like a, a bar top almost. You can sit here and talk and, and there's a raised um, cap so that you can sit here and talk and have a, a snack or a drink or something like that um, and look out at this amazing view. Mm -hmm. um, and then this is a common room that you can retreat into if it's chilly. And then this is the raised Terrace that Brian was referring to, um, that has uh, tables and chairs and fireplace. We actually we actually have a ramp that goes up to that space, and that's designed so that we can have a, we have a little trough that occurs on this edge, mm. so we can we're going to have plants probably in containers and gravel there, but the idea is by just raising up that little bit, 18 inches, people that are sitting will be able to look over. The 42-inch, you know, we have to have a 42-inch protective railing here. That way, they'll see right over the top of that while they're sitting down or at the fireplace, and they'll be able to see across and get the view without standing up. That was sort of the goal. Uh, why wasn't that maybe incorporated in this particular patio? The raising. Um, this one's raised. This one's it, at, it is. at grade. This one has a 42-inch uh, bar countertop all the way around. Oh yeah, because you have that right. right. Okay, and then you know the tables you can't see as well, but hey. Yeah, we're we're I, we're kind of playing the game. Yeah, I, I get, mean I it's it's a variety of experiences, no, and this one's undercover, and everything is kind of kind of fun. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, I, I just got one last question. Uh, as far as I appreciate all the different styles and the modulation um, that, that I'm seeing. Well, on the, the the one area that does seem I kind of have a question about is like that arts and crafts is kind of craftsman building, whether it's a residence or mm -hmm. I've always wondered that too. Mm -hmm. It's a mysterious building. I kind of like it. It's very it's, it's lovely. It's very well yeah. done. Um, yeah. Was there any consideration for incorporating that particular style a little bit more into this building? I know you you got a lot of styles. I can't do everything. I understand, but um, I'm you know look the simple answer is no. Mm -hmm. um, that building is lovely. It was well crafted when it was built. It's not a commercial building. It's not a mixed-use building. It's not an, an urban building. It's actually a, a residential house. You could take that building and put it out on the east side of, in a small park-like setting, and it would be very happy in an urban setting. It's just a different uh, context. And it, by the way, it's not uncommon in a city for a lower density to abut an alley and then something higher happen on the other side of that alley. That's a very common uh, condition. So we understand that it's, this is different and um, there's an adjacency um, shift in that sense, but it's, it's not an uncommon or inappropriate urban response from our view. Well, thank you, that's all my questions. Thanks. Is this my turn? Okay, um, I think when we talk about stories, it's somewhat misleading. 
you know, is a story eight feet, nine feet, 10 feet, 11 feet, 12 feet, 15 feet? What, when you say story, what are we talking about in feet? For the residential portion, mm -hmm. my, my preference and what we're proposing is 11 foot floor to floor. Okay. Uh, if I could, I would get 12. And the reason is because, you know, I, I like that these apartments have higher volumes. Uh, that's the way they built them 100 years ago. Taller ceilings, taller, we have taller windows. One of the reasons we lift it up is so that the windows can be taller. You know, the standard window height in a residence is six foot eight, and that's the door height and the window height. And what we do in virtually every residential project we've been doing is we get nine foot ceilings minimum and eight foot tall windows. And that brings a lot of light into the dwelling. So the, quite, you're right, the question of story, it, it can vary quite a bit and it depends on you know, the structural systems and other things. And we could end up being you know, uh, 10 foot, eight inches because of the different TJI dimensions that come, you know, the different ways of, of building it. But generally speaking, we're talking about an 11 foot floor to floor for the residential. On the ground floor, it's different. It's, it's a higher uh, elevation and the, the document actually specifies that it should be a, a higher elevation. The yeah. downtown plan. Do we have a, a section three hundred building? I think we do in the in the submittal. <coughs> okay, I think you have another sheet that shows the outline of the AT and T building. Oh yeah, it's there. It's the PowerPoint. Oh, is that the, that's the PowerPoint? Yeah. It's the east elevation, and then it's got that slide in front of it. Okay, so instead of talking stories, what's the maximum height of your building? 72. You mean the maximum height allowed or the maximum height we're proposing? You're proposing. I think to the, to the ridge, was it 72? Is that what you're saying? The parapet height was 72, 7 inches. And to the top of the chimneys? So... <laughs> If, if, yeah, you're asking maximum height. Yes. Not. Sorry, we're trying to find the slide. So, like, what's what's that height right there? That's the parapet elevation. And what's that? What's the height? That's, this. That's the 72. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, if you could go to an elevation view, uh, Levi. Um, so the height here. So that's 72 to that ridge, and then to this cornice. If you zoom in, we could see it. <laughs> I could. I don't know. I can't see it. Um, I can't read. 65. 65. Thank you. <laughs> 65 to that cornice line, Al, and then to the very top is 72 foot to the peaked roof. And probably another two or three feet for that chimney feature. Sure. And if it was a problem, we could just lop that right off. Okay. And I'm not sure you can answer this. Maybe staff can. What's the height of the A&T &T building? We don't know precisely. I don't know that staff knows. We don't know precisely. Yeah. Okay. It's above 60, I'm pretty sure. So we'd have to have it surveyed if you really wanted a, a, a number. Okay, because you, you do show it on your drawings. Yeah. So that's what I, I thought that maybe you knew for sure because you're comparing the building to the AT&T. Sure. And, and it's an, you know, the way we're showing it is as an approximation, but it's a reasonably, it's a reasonable facsimile. And you can see it in the photographs as well, um, the montage photographs. Okay. 
Um, why the metal siding? It seems somewhat out, out of context for that area on your east, I think it's the east elevation. East elevation. Yeah. I think we were, we were simply looking for ways to break it, that elevation up to be candid. My preference would be to do exactly what the Ventura Inn does and just let that be a nice straight stucco plastered elevation with balconies and windows, very simple and clean. But there was, I guess, commentary about, you know, trying to break this up and add more texture and that sort of thing. Um, the metal is a, is a very durable, long, you know, long-term solution and it's a different material than the adjacent stucco. We didn't want to use brick back here. That's a very expensive approach and we wouldn't get a lot of appreciation out of it. And frankly, all of that articulation that we're showing there simply isn't going to be visible. It's, it's all, if, if you would allow us to simplify that elevation, we would be very happy to do so. Uh, while that particular slide is up, have you given any consideration to a mural or some type of public art on that wall? Well, which part of the wall are you, like the, the visible portion? Yes. Um, we haven't at, at the moment, like right here, is that what you're thinking? Uh, where well, we, just, where just we in, do it? you're mentioning how nobody sees this. Yeah. It's, it's really kind of hidden. Yeah. It just seemed like it might be an opportunity. Um, if we were going to do something, some sort of public art element, I would like to put it where it's going to be appreciated. You know, whatever yeah. that might be. It just might make the space more interesting. That's what I, it just disregard it. Just a comment. Yeah, understood. And okay. Chair, just for reference, this, this slide that you're seeing, that white line actually does show the uh, existing uh, AT&T building. So this actually right. may answer your previous no question. Height. It's, an, it's, it's so an approximation. Right. We know that our building is slightly taller and we wanted to make sure that that was clear. We're not pretending that it's hiding everything. Okay, um, to no further questions, we can move on to the staff at this point. Do you have any additional comments you want to make? Or no additional comments. Any questions of staff? No. Okay. Okay. Okay, then we're going to move on and open uh, up to public comment. Um, Madam Clerk, does anybody wish to speak? Yes, we have 13 speakers on this item. And our first speaker will be Bob Guthrie, and next will be Wendy Sauter. And if the applicant team wants to go ahead and take a seat for thank public you. comment, thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> Good evening. Overall, the Park Plaza design seems well thought out and incorporates good quality materials and finishes. I hate to say it, but by today's standards, uh, it seems to include a reasonable number of parking spaces at one per unit. My primary issues with the building are as follows. The building is too tall and massive for the area, especially given its location to the park. Step backs along the, northern, uh, the north elevation as suggested by staff and along the west elevation would help mitigate this issue. Also, if the rooftop common room were converted to a partially covered patio, 
It would help with the massing and step backs along the, western, or the west elevation. At the proposed density, this will have an equivalent of 133 dwelling units per acre. That's excessive for a 4.42, I calculated 4.42 stories, building in this prime location. The courtyard is way too small. It should be 5,500 square feet, yet it appears to be about 1,600, and it was confirmed it was 1,600 and some square feet today. It wasn't on the plans. If you look at the shadow study on A102 and the shadowing on pages A101 and A302, it's apparent it will be in the shadows much of the time. Real problem with this building is 11 of the 80 units will not have a view to the outside, and that's a significant issue in my opinion. Almost all of the low-income units are interior-facing or face the AT&T building. By law, they should be more evenly distributed throughout the building as a view to the outside world is certainly an amenity and the affordable units are required to have like amenities by law. Finally, the sidewalks are too narrow. And I heard they might be 10 feet, but on the plans they show as eight feet. If they're 10 feet, that's better. But uh, 12 feet would be a lot better for a building this tall. Um, in any respect, if they're 10, that's, that is a step in the right direction. I do have a minor issue with the concrete planter in the uh, corner plaza as it essentially closes off what otherwise is a fairly nice open area. Um, and Brian, Brian, I think, pointed out that the intent is to kind of give some separation there, and I think that's a good idea, but it seems like there should be other ways to do that to uh, maintain some more open space in that area. I'll wrap up by saying the interior units will have no view to the outside, or, or let, me, let me begin again. I'll wrap up by saying if the interior units with no view to the inside were eliminated, it would allow for a conforming courtyard, wider sidewalks, and possibly more stepbacks. The gain space would also allow for more two-bedroom units renting at higher prices. It might also be possible to recover some of the units by placing them on the second floor parking level. These changes would certainly be a big benefit for the community and for the project's future, future residents. I appreciate your time and hope you can uh, make some suggestions that will improve. Thank you. Time's up. Wendy's. Okay. And then after that, we have Matt Leonard. Leonard. Matt Leonard. Good evening, DRC members. The applicant is asking for well over a full story above what the lot is zoned for. Given the project's unique location, please weigh in on at least or insist on reducing or mandating step backs on the west and north elevations. Question came up about the AT&T building. It's about 66 feet. It's about 10 feet lower than the proposed building. Of the 80 units, only seven are affordable. The developer appears to be going for max profits with height, mass, and unit density by cramming several apartments into the interior with no outside view. Please note that the seven affordable units are not spread throughout the building as the law requires. 86% of them have no view to the outside world. The courtyard appears to be it's about 1,600 square feet, only a third of the required 5,500 square feet. It will be dark much of the time based on the shadow study. Please require a bigger courtyard be built. The little hallways that were shown didn't really seem to be a gathering space to me. Finally, given the density and the height of the building, 
and this is a little controversial, I guess. It, on the plans, it says eight foot, except for the corner lot, which appears to be 10. There was a lot of talk about walkability um, and a lot of slides presented about walkability. If that's the case, then please make them at least 10 feet, if not more. Um, please be sure that this actually will be a pedestrian uh, area. So you're adding not much, much taller, much more massive um, building to this area that has a park, that has a beautiful one-story craftsman. So I hope that you really weigh in on what that means to the neighborhood and to the people behind it. Thank you for your time. Matt Leonard, and after Matt, we have Alex Marigon. Hello, my name's Dr. Matt Leonard. I'm the owner of Coastal Chiropractic, which is the building directly across the street from the proposed development. This is my first meeting, so I apologize if anything I say is redundant. But I want to express what's going on just firsthand from what I've seen from my office, because I've been there for nearly five years now, and I have a few major issues with this proposal. The first one that's obvious for me is the parking. This project would be a complete disaster for my business, people trying to access the post office and nearby businesses due to the fact that there's just not enough parking for the overflow of people that would live and work in this development. One space per unit is nowhere near sufficient. 18 two-bedroom units and a 2,400-square-foot commercial space, which I would imagine would have customers, customers who drive cars and would want to park them, would surpass the available nearby parking. We currently already have issues, both with our patients and our staff finding parking. There's a group that meets next door every day at 12 o'clock for an hour. And during that time, it's extremely difficult for us to find parking. That's just one group, one hour. I can't imagine an entire complex with excessive overflow. Safety is another major concern for my staff and others because we would be forced to park further away from our office and we close after the sun goes down and it puts us at an, at an unnecessary risk. My last concern I'd like to discuss is the bus station. The city installed a simple bus stop a couple months ago at the same proposed area. Within that time, there was a homeless person living there for literally a month, rain or shine, with trash everywhere. There's routinely been various vagrant activity, police activity at the bus stop. I, I personally really doubt that anybody that's paying rent at this location would want to take part in the bus station with that kind of clientele. And it's just going to have a negative impact on our downtown culture and our downtown tourism. I would just like to end by saying, my kids are third generation, born and raised here in Ventura, and I'm all for positive growth and development. But plans like this will have a huge negative impact on our downtown. It'll drive out businesses like mine and others nearby due to inaccessibility. Thank you. Alex Marigon, and after that we have Lisa Wolf. How are you guys? Thank you for your time. Um, this is the third design concept pre presented for this site since 2018. Though this design in particular has a much more appealing aesthetic than the first two versions, we cannot ignore the fact that the overall mass of the structure has increased significantly with each iteration. In contrast to the first design presented in 2018, the latest design has an increased height with an added fifth floor, we're gonna call them floors like levels, floors, five, there's five. 
and no setbacks on the fourth and fifth floors on two of the elevations. Interestingly, interestingly enough, the newly presented design only has three additional residential units than the 2018 design and contains almost 800 square feet less of commercial space. So why has the design increased in scale above what is allowed in, for the zone with only three additional units and less com commercial square footage? I assure you it is not inclusionary housing and the seven affordable units the Chamber Pack insists are necessary for housing affordability in the city. Quite the contrary. It is in, to increase the value of their market rate units. We are getting 73 unaffordable units that increase, increase the market rate and have a negative impact on housing affordability as a whole in the city. There is a refusal to acknowledge this and the impacts, and I'm speaking not only to the higher cost of housing, but to the, the impact of the scale of this, these types of projects. Please consider some necessary changes to the design. You can honor the DTSP, and we can still have these nice, beautiful apartment buildings. Number one, you can reduce the building height to three or four stories, which is still above the DTSP requirement. Number two, set back the third and fourth floors on Santa Clara and Fur to reduce the massing on the street. It'll be a much nicer looking building and not so massive. To accomplish this, the developer can reduce some of the residents' common area square footage that is excessive. And when I say excessive, I'll explain it to you. On the ground floor alone, 823 square foot workspace, 533 square foot lounge, 683 square foot conference room, 692 square foot residence yoga studio, and 685 square foot fitness room. The Pierpont and Racket Club and Gym is like two or three blocks from there. On, uh, there's 1,140 square feet on the rooftop for a lounge, which does not include the upper terrace, corner terrace or barbecue terrace. I assumed that we had somewhere over 3,000 square feet of a rooftop resident-only communal space, but during the presentation, it's more like 3,600. The de developer can choose whether or not to implement any changes the DRC should recommend. The, the Planning Commission can approve or deny this project. They will likely deny if significant changes are recommended and the developer chooses not to make them. We've seen this happen recently. Thank you, Let time's up. Let this go up. to the council. That's the process. Let's, let's, let's follow the process. Thank you. Lisa Wolf. And after Lisa, we have Dave Wilkinson. Hey, hi. Um, I've been hearing about this since 2018. Um, I'm the one that lives in the Craftsman. My parents bought it in 1983 when I was a sophomore at Ventura High School. I'm fourth generation Ventura, and uh, we are, my life is Ventura, my family, grandparents. Um, so I know Ventura is changing. I know we're building. Everyone's up in arms. I know everyone wants to make money, and they're stuffing people in these little boxes. But um, I'm not against change. I guess I'm again. Uh, I guess I heard your rules that you said what I'm supposed to say. So I'll just do that. Um, I think if we're going to build something that looks right out of my living room window, <laughs> that maybe um, we could keep it the height of the AT&T building because it just seems like it's just a monstrosity. Obviously, it's blocking my view on my balcony to the ocean, but what am I gonna do about that? <laughs> so, um, I guess also I'm worried about my alley that runs right along my house. There's, uh, the Elks Lodge built a beautiful hotel. I know 
people are mad about that, but I, I'm happy for it because it's going to keep people moving through that alley so it's safer and um, just more activity. Um, I've lived there, it's been a rental until 1997, which I've lived there since 97. The parking is a nightmare. I don't understand how 80 parking spaces is going to do that mass building. The post office is packed until about 4.35 o'clock. The street is packed with cars. The city gives me a little parking pass, which I love since the meters went in. That helps me park. Um, I'm also a, a foster mom here in town, so a lot of times I have different kids and I have to run them in and out. And if I lose just any kind of parking on that street, it's first of all going to be scary for me to get to my house. Um, getting groceries, I always have to double park anyway, and we just have post office and you know, downtown. I just, I guess what I'm asking you guys is when you look at the whole building, my alley is a big deal. I, nobody talked about how the cars are going to get into the down, um, how that's going to be safe for the alley, like how that's going to be blocked off from my home right there, where my back gate opens into the alley. Um, just kind of think about that kind of stuff and the height. I just think it looks silly that tall. I mean, we're s it's such a cute little community, and our park is so safe now. I don't think that building's going to make our park any safer. The red shirt guys are great. Um, I don't know. The overall look looks crazy, but I know Ventura is building, so I don't really know what else to say. Um, Thank you. Time's up. Okay. Dave Wilkinson, and after Dave, we have Natalie Burton. Uh, thank you all for your, uh, for your time and what you do here. Um, so um, I guess first off, I, I know that we can't talk about regulations, or you guys aren't able to talk about regulations, um, but you are able to talk about massing and size of buildings as it relates to DRC. I don't understand how building height does not associate building massing and size. It just it seems too interrelated to not make a comment on a building height if you're talking about the design. It is architecture. I believe architecture is about the building size. I, you know, I'm sure that's in there somewhere. Obviously, I didn't study architecture, but um, I am an engineer, so I understand numbers. Making decisions and allowing a project to move forward on comments like, oh, well, I think it's, it's more like four height, four stories, not five. That's, maybe it's 65. I don't know. Having these inapproximate numbers seems ludicrous to me that a decision would be made based, based upon that. Um, there was a comment about a hallway, looking down a dark hallway with doors in it and wanting to change that feel. When I heard that comment, I first thought about all the streets, all these tall buildings that are going up. These streets are going to feel like a dark hallway, you know, because the shadows are going to be created. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, all these buildings that are being proposed to go over the zoning, I, I get it, there's an economy of scale there, but you know, 0.4 miles away, there's another six-story building being proposed. I'm sure you guys are aware of it, as are the um, developers here. Um, but, um, you know, I don't know what the general plan costs the city to have that renewed, but instead of rushing these projects through, I would listen to what that general plan comes out and what it says about the zoning. Uh, thank you very much. 
Natalie Burton, and then we have Amy Cherie. Uh, good evening, committee members, staff, and community members. First, Happy New Year, and thank you all for being here. Yes, oops, all of us for our commitment to our city. Looking through the public comments, it is apparent that this project has some good aspects, but also issues and concerns. The comments provide excellent modifications and well-defined solutions to improve this design. So I could reiterate these solutions. It's too tall, too massive, sidewalks too small, but I'm going to take a different tact. The DRC is of vital importance to our community. And I want you to know that you are supported by your community. You may see the same faces. You may even see the same outfit, favorite scarf. But we are behind us, are hundreds of citizens who support you, and we want you to know that. We support you and want you to use your expertise and our input to ensure excellent design happens in our city. Recently, your responsibilities have been truncated, and the council have gone against the recommendations of, from boards, commissions, and public opinion. But you still have power. We are counting on you to use that to create and direct the best designs possible. On that note, in general, why are we, Ventura, only being presented with square box designs, which masses on a site? Taking a square box and making it better is hard, almost impossible. So I do not envy you. We have to ask ourselves, why are developers only bringing us these box designs? We must demand better. We must require more from developers. And by doing so, staff will feel the support. And if we all work together, whether or not council agrees, we will know we have done our best to create excellent design in our town. Tonight's project, this design does have some good aspects. But please, with that, knowledge, there are areas which can be improved. Please stay strong, hold to your convictions, and incorporate the public comments, and require the developer to create the best design possible for our city. We all deserve it. Thank you very much for your time. Amy Sherry, and after that we have Carol Spector. Thank you for allowing me to speak. I'm Amy Cherry, um, born and raised in Ventura. Uh, I know you're all very talented, and that's why you got your position here on the DRC, volunteers, you got a college professor, you got architects, landscapers. Um, you know, you're, you really know what you're doing. And you know that design is not a free-for-all. Uh, every good designer knows that the design, design starts at the site and then surrounding natural and existing built environment. Design is also constrained by local and coastal zoning requirements. If you, the design review committee, are not allowed to review this project against the objective design standards of our DTSP, then what are we doing here? Seriously. This is a 72-foot, 10-inch tall, 5-10-inch, ha! <laughs> yeah, 10 inches, yeah, 72 feet, 10 inch tall, five-story behemoth in a 3.25-story zone. Typically, 
three-story residential is about 30 feet. <laughs> this is 72 feet, 10 inches in the historical part of downtown Ventura. You should be able to discuss the design standards. We have them. This project is not allowed under the downtown specific object objective design standards, period. I don't mean this is a personal attack, it's not. This is the process that is causing, it's the process that's causing the frustration. Um, the, DR, the DRC should not be neutered. Um, like my predecessor said, stand strong, stay true. You know what these things are in your head. Um, the building would be great if the massing was smaller and reduced and you know all those things. Um, but thank you for volunteering and listening to me and being on this committee and caring about Ventura. Carol Spector, and then we have Brian Bordenson. Hi, DRC members. Um, I actually wasn't even going to speak because I wrote a letter, but just listening to the talk from the developer and architect, I, I felt like I had to step up. Um, I do uh, represent our volunteer group of Livable Ventura. We have 350 members, about 900 Facebook followers, so not just speaking for myself, speaking for an awful lot of people, and I feel responsible to speak up. I'm really opposed to the Park Plaza development, um, and I can quote the DTSP as the architect did. Um, 5.102 a 10A, it is a T5.1 zone limited to 3.25 stories. It's supposed to represent and fit into the neighborhood and not disturb the characteristic of it. It is not preserving, uh, it is not preserving for residents and visitors our scenic beauty, our ocean and hillside views, or our historic heritage and aesthetic. At five stories high, it will irreversibly block the aforementioned views that are supposed to be protected. The design has no resemblance to the architectural styles common to this prime historic location and seven affordable units, which will help seven people or families out of 80, is no reason to give them uh, you know, the extra height. Being so tall, eight-foot sidewalks, except for the 10-foot bulb out, are just inadequate. Um, I'm so glad that our homeowner from that green craftsman spoke up because I felt really protective of, of that home. Um, I, I can't imagine what, what she's going through. Um, step backs would help, something to lessen the height, the view, the impact, um, and I'm sorry, the look of it. There are other concerns. Um, I, I don't know why the developer kept adding more units as, as they redid this when the DRC you guys had issues with this at the conceptual hearing last time. Um, what is proposed is large, unsightly, expensive housing. I think it'll harm tourism and diminish the quality of life for Ventura residents. As designed, this proposal is inconsistent with our community goals, adds nothing to the value of the community, and when they hold events at the park, it's already, they close streets, you can't move. I had someone try to come visit, she had to go all the way around, and we're adding more units and only 80 parking spaces. Um, the only other thing, uh, since they brought up uh, transportation, there is no good transportation. Buses, um, as there just really isn't. So this whole live, work, and get around the town thing just it doesn't work right now. Um, I just think it adds nothing and does not merit approval by you guys. So thank you. 
Brian Bordenson, and after that we have David Landtrip. Okay. Thank you. Um, David Landtrip, and then we have Matthew Bello. Well, I'm pleased to have the opportunity to, uh, to speak to you. Um, I live about two blocks north of this building, this proposed building on First Street. And um, there's just, you know, I, I just feel frustrated because <clears throat> I've been to a number, a number of these design review committee meetings and I hear people express consistently their concerns about how these designs are not reflected, are not reflecting the mission, the vision statement in our master plan. For decades, the citizens of this community have expressed their concerns about large massing, about building canyons on the streets, about blocking the views of the beach and the hills, about the beach community, the character of the beach community. I mean, this is clear in every communication from the public. And yet the proposals continually, continually look like big boxes has been expressed here. Yeah, you can paste, you know, different colors, different finishings. You can articulate a few feet here, a few feet there, but it's not the character of a beach community. And it never will be. This building could be replaced by the AT&T building. Just move it over to the corner and it would look the same from the park. You could paste some brick on it or you could color it a little bit differently, but it's essentially the same thing. Why is the AT&T building the comparison for the architectural standard on this property? I don't get it. Why isn't the bungalow the comparison point? Why aren't all the historic buildings around this park the comparison point? The historic post office. Why isn't that the starting point for the architectural program? How to relate to a historic preservation site right across the street. That building doesn't relate to any of those buildings that I'm talking about. Nor does it relate to the vision that the community has expressed for this community. So I hope there's something that can be done. And I hope I don't come back here again for the next project being just as frustrated because either no one listened or there isn't the power to do what the community has expressed they want. Thank you. Matthew Bellow. And then we have last Christy Weir. Yeah. Um, first of all, thank you guys for your for volunteering here, and um, I just wanted to say I'm a uh, I'm an owner of a uh, 1920s Spanish bungalow on the Lower Avenue. I uh, really enjoy nearly every day walking from the Lower Avenue down through our historical downtown, and I actually make a right on fur on my way to the pier as I'm walking my dog. So I'm very familiar with this corner, and I just have to agree with what. Many of the people in the crowd have said that I just don't feel that this fits in with uh, the adjacent architecture, and I'd like something that fits in a bit more. You know, we're, we're so lucky. We have a historic downtown 
that, um, is that runs parallel to the ocean. That's very, very rare. And, you know, of course, Ventura's on the map now, and we're, we're seeing more and more traction here. But we do want to maintain that character of a beach town, and I hope you guys consider that. Um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough to travel to many countries and see um, a lot of beautiful cities, and I would say um, a common feature is, you know, buildings that aren't more than three stories, and I really um, admire the, uh, the, the vision that people have had since the early 90s, uh, going through 2007 with the downtown specific plan to make sure that our downtown uh, has a very specific way that they uh, regulate heights. And I think it's, uh, I think that plan, the community participation since the early 90s has created an amazing downtown. And I hope that we can continue to foster that through our decisions at bodies like this. So, so thank you so much. Christy Weir. I think something that we don't, we're not real clear on is the setbacks. Um, I hope you guys can talk about the setbacks because we're talking, some, some of the comments are about eight foot sidewalks on the plans and then we're hearing 10 foot and um, but we're, not, we're not really hearing about the setbacks themselves and maybe they're on there. But um, the, the massing on this building is going to be enormous. Um, 72 feet is taller than any building in the downtown. It's taller than the Housing Authority Tower. It's taller than, way taller than the Ventura Inn. Um, it's, it'll be the tallest building. And currently, the AT&T building and the office building here, um, the, the majority of the buildings are set back 20 feet from the street. The, this office building has a 20-foot setback. So if, if we're bringing it out, into an eight or 10 foot setback, the massing is gonna increase exponentially going that way and also up. So, so what, it, it's so much nicer than the previous, <laughs> I just have to say, the previous architecture, um, this is a vast improvement, but the massing of this is, is going in the wrong way. And so it, the downtown specific plan, you know, says 3.25 stories and, 72 feet is, I mean, we're not going to talk necessarily about stories because it's about feet, but in the downtown specific plan, if you were to do 3.25, the maximum height you could have is 42 feet for the three stories, 42 feet, because that's 18 feet was maximum for the ground floor and 12 foot maximum for each story above that. So it's way taller than it is allowed. The sidewalks, um, eight feet, 10 feet is even too narrow. That's sort of a suburban size. If you take uh, an urban sidewalk, they have trees on the sidewalk. There's no planting strip, right? The trees are on the sidewalk, which means you have three or four feet of sidewalk that's being used up by trees. So what you need is 10 to 12 feet at least of unimpeded sidewalk. Um, the, the whole idea of downtown, when we did this with the downtown Pacific plan, was walkability, and we hear that tonight. But walkability is more than going single file down a sidewalk. And when you put street furniture and, and street lights and big 
you know, canopy tree is going to take up more than seven feet going toward the building. Um, it, we want canopy trees, and well, we'll talk about that afterwards. <laughs> the, the canopy trees take a lot of space, so you need at least 10 to 12 foot sidewalks. Thank you. Time's up. Thank you. That concludes public speaking on this item. Okay, I'm going to call a five-minute recess, and we'll be back here at uh, 20 after and continue the meeting. mispronounce my name. Actually, interestingly, in my native tongue, the, it's a Dutch, it's Corman. Corman? So it's Corman. Corman, but in America. They say Corman. Corman? Corman. Corman. <laughs> so Corman. Okay. No one to confuse me.
yeah, I mean, probably the building I see the most, the biggest one I did is the school at the mission, uh -huh. behind the mission. Okay. That was one of my, because I used to work with Nick at Dean's That was one of the markets. Interesting. Small town, huh? Well, that's cool that you get to teach now. Yeah. And that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. You always want to love what you do. You always want to love what you do. Yeah, exactly. So that's I was going to be a high school math teacher. I don't then know I, if I could ever teach high school kids. Well, I know, so then I went to the high school and did this teacher assistant thing, and I was like, Yeah, high school kids. I don't kids. think so. And so I ended up in government. <laughs> Here we are. Here we are. transition between hand drawing and computers. Uh -huh. So I did mostly hand drafting in college. When I graduated, went to get a job, they taught me how to use a computer. So it's literally at that transition. Yeah. Most of the people now probably Excuse me, we're going to reconvene? Yeah, they probably yeah. don't know that. Yeah. No, I kind of make them. Okay, we're now at the point where I'm going to close the public meeting and we're going to go into uh, discussions and deliberations. Thank you. I'm good. Okay, and, and I'd like to thank everybody that spoke and just let you know we did listen to what you had to say, but now we're at the point where we've got to discuss and hopefully come to a consensus and have a motion in, in a second. So. Which one of you would like to speak first? Well, actually, I, have a, I do have a couple questions for staff. Um, first one has to do with the affordable units. Um, how does the city work with the developers in deciding which units are appropriate for designation as affordable? Sure, so for any approved entitled project that has uh, an affordable housing component or inclusionary housing component, they're required to submit with the city uh, that an affordable housing plan after it's if, if approved after that point. So at that point, our housing services uh, division will review that affordable housing plan for compliance with, H with HC HCD uh, requirements, which covers the distribution of those units. So they will be required to submit a affordable housing plan that's compliant with all state law is, and that speaks to the distribution of those units. And uh, my other question has to do with, does the city have any parking strategies in the downtown to um, mitigate some of the uh, more parking that's going to be needed? Uh, 
Committee Member Cormain, that's a great question um, and a topic that City Council has also brought up. And so the Public Works Department is preparing a workshop presentation for Council that will be happening in the uh, next month or so, where they're going to talk about downtown parking, inventory, plan, and strategy. Um, the downtown has a parking strategy of a park, park once strategy of uh, providing parking in the various forms on street parking structure so on and so forth and then kind of walking around downtown but they're going to look at that comprehensively at city council okay so is, is that a city council meeting or a a, a workshop it, it will be a city council meeting it'll be one of their workshop meetings okay thank you I have a question too for staff. Is there any formula that the city uses for sidewalk width considering height of building with the street? You know, is there any type of algorithm or formula? The downtown specific plan does have some street sections that they did street streetscape design along in the downtown um, that identified sidewalk widths. Uh, street tree patterns and things of that nature. This, these streets are not one of those. Um, and then there's no specific s setback or standard of the sidewalk. There are setbacks or build to lines for the buildings in the form-based code, but not outside of their property. Okay. Uh, I've read the downtown specific plan many times, but I can't recall seeing a, a height limitation in feet if it's there, could you point it out to me? Okay, but not the overall height. Yeah, um, to speak to this specific zone, um, which is the T5.1, they do have a height and massing section of the T5.4, which do talk about stories and um, how height is measured to the eave parapet line of that. So that is identified in um, the DTSP. There's a building profile and frontage type, and there's a section diagram um, associated with that. Okay, so it's in stories, but not in feet. It's broken down by uh, stories and percentage of stories and then floor to floor heights. Okay. Sorry. Okay. Jeff, do you have Actually, I'm uh, just following up on that. Um, what is the height limitation for a C1A zone? Just as a comparison for commercial outside of the downtown? I believe it's 75 feet, but if you give me a moment, I can look that up. If you guys want to go on with questions or deliberations and give me a moment. Yeah, any questions before we go into deliberations? I think you, you addressed some. I was curious about that distribution of the affordable units and, okay. and, um, that, and the height, too. Okay, well then let's discuss uh, what we can support, what we can't support, and hopefully we can come to a consensus and have a motion. Well, I, I have some comments I can start with, if, if that would help move things along here. Um, I, th I think one thing I'd, I'd like to start off to say, again, I appreciate the landscape architect having a chance to be part of the presentation team. Sometimes that isn't always the case, or they're somehow uh, magically sick. 
Um, so I, I think that it's, it is always very important to have the landscape architecture be part, part of this, and, and again, I applaud that. Um, also, I think looking at some of the past iterations of this development, that this is by far a, a much, a, a huge improvement from what it was. I think the architectural styles that were kind of incorporated do speak to the area as, as well as you can, um, considering um, that we, we do have all these different styles in, in town. Um, I think this keeps being brought up by a lot of um, people like beachy, beachy town, and we are beach town, but we are also different styles as well. We're Spanish, we're, we're the arts and crafts, so there's all these different styles. So it's for any design team that has to approach that, it, it's, it, is a, it is a big challenge, and you're just never going to make everybody happy. But I think this building and the way it's designed has really is going in the right direction. Um, I would say, I would suggest that, that's, that there is more of a step down at the, if we go back to the si slide, if we could, um, there at Fur next to the Arts and Crafts building. Um, for example, I see the, the open patio space, it kind of stops. I would suggest that it would kind of come wrap around, continue a little more there. I think there's something to be said for the local mountain views. Obviously, they don't have ocean views there, but... Um, I think that would, a little step down there would be beneficial to the overall kind of massing of the project. Personally, I, I don't necessarily have problems with the heights. I think that we do need to go up and that's just the reality. There's just a lot of people and we got to um, really make, densify the downtown as much as we can so we can preserve our open space. I. I Sincerely believe the sidewalks are too need to be wider. I 100% agree that we need to be, you know, I'd like to see 12 at least, um, to, especially with the trees that are being proposed with those canopies. They're just going to be smashing up against against that building, and it would really um, add more for the commercial spaces that they could kind of expand out into the sidewalks as needed for the next COVID. Um, I think too the the plaza spaces would could. Um, be larger. Uh, I think there's, that is true that they will be fairly dark there and that I'd like to see that looked at. I think the corridors in where the planters are seem a little tight in that illustration and that maybe shaving off a foot or two at least would, would help in that. I, I do like the planters. I think all the landscape spaces and, and the, the idea of having them flex spaces I think that that is definitely a very valid concept and and it makes a lot of sense and hearing that at the front end of the design um, is, is helpful in, in especially in selling that idea. Some people might first look at it and go it's not programmed enough but um, that, that's definitely something that could be open for debate but that's a cho the, the way they're doing it here and I, I think it works. I understand, yeah, again, that there's the, that park next to us there, the, the big park. It's, a, it's kind of a dysfunctional park, I think. Are there plans to fix that park or redesign it? I think there is. There's always, I think I've seen plans or people talk about it. But, um, yeah, it, it's, so I, I think, you know, localized spaces are, are important, and then maybe that one 
plaza could could be improved a bit or widened. Um, and then the, the the one last thing, uh, I kind of agree with one of the, the first person who, who spoke about that corner area with the raised planter. I could see that it just does kind of seem to block the views of, of the building. And I, I think, I don't know if you need that. And especially with the jacaranda tree, I love the, they're beautiful trees, the flowers, but when they fall, they, can, they do have kind of a smell to them and they can uh, stain the sidewalks and whatnot. And um, I, I, I would like to see that open. That would be my comment. And then the last one would be, I almost would like to see that corner piece right there even drop down a little bit. Um, again, kind of like that other, the corner here and then the corner there, I think would again, kind of help you have that ramping idea to the next plaza, uh, uh, patty, I mean, excuse me, um, podium on top there. And by, you know, shaving off uh, half a unit or something down there would, would kind of help with the, with the massing, I, I think, uh, on, and make it more palatable to the general na neighborhood. Th those would be my comments at the, at the, at the moment. Uh, if I, I'm sorry, if I could answer your previous question. Um, the C1A zone, um, it is 75 feet and six stories in height. All right, um, my comments, um, of course, the issue of the building height and massing, I, I do believe they go hand in hand. You, it's unavoidable. If something is taller, it seems bigger. So, um, And I acknowledge that this building is, in fact, uh, exceeding what is called down in the design uh, in the downtown specific plan. Um, I believe the the massing on Santa Clara, to me, is the most successful in terms of the way it undulates, the different materials. It presents itself as um, three different buildings, which may be more than they need, but I think it's the design, just from a architectonic point of view, is very well presented with you know, bottom, middle, top, um, appropriate amount of detailing, the uh, storefronts, I think, are, are very well done. I think it'll add to the street life of, the, um, of Santa Clara and that corner in the park. You know, I, I keep in mind that adjacent, of course, is the AT&T building. Down the street is the Tolman and Weicker building. So there is the possibility of more development around the park which would be appropriate because of the open space quality of that, of putting more housing perhaps in the future. So with that being said, along this corner, I really don't care what's happening in the rear of the lot, the north end, um, along the alley, particularly because everything else is one or two story, very low rise, particularly the adjacent house. And it's really aggressive to have this five stories coming right up. So. I'd like to see that brought down to three stories, if possible, just to create that transition. Because in as much as you're looking at the AT&T building to create the somewhat justification of the height on that side, you know, we have to look at the other end with this one-story building and kind of create the appearance of transition 
and a little bit of um, acknowledgement of the existing scale that may not change because of the historic nature of that building. Um, you know, in terms of the, the discussion of the courtyard, you know, this, this looks more like a forecourt to me. It doesn't have any, you know, I wouldn't even call it a courtyard as much as a light well to, into more of the interior of the building. And that's just because it doesn't have a lot of volume to it. And, you know, I know we can get caught up in semantics in terms of design as to is this a court and does it meet the downtown specific plans? Well, you know, if in my druthers we could take that space, move it to the northwest corner, and we'd solve a lot of problems. Um, but, you know, it, I, I don't take any umbrage with the design as it is as a forecourt. Um, the massive building that is on First Street, that fronts First Street in the northwest corner, uh, that is one portion I would actually like to see treated as its own building. So you have the three buildings that are on Santa Clara, which are creating this um, you know, division. Then as we go up Fur, we have the forecourt when the, I guess there's a trellis there, and then you have this other mass. Um, I would like to see that mass also treated like a, its own standalone building. So to have the window um, patterns and things to, to read as its own entity, you know, so that it feels truly separate, not the side of, of the rest of the building there. So I'd like some re-looking at that on how to uh, dress that up to give its own identity. Not necessarily to change it stylistically, although it may be introducing um, craftsman um, elements into that. I don't know if you can really have a six-story, a five-story craftsman building, but you know some kind of uh, acknowledgement of that. Those are my comments. Okay, um, let me tell you what what I've heard and what I would like to see. First thing. I'm gonna agree with you, I, I think the massing is too much, it's too high, too massive. Uh, I would like to see the building possibly restricted in height to maybe no higher than the AT&T building. Uh, I'd also like to see at least uh, three sides of the, uh, of the building stepping back. Uh, I'm very comfortable with your statement about um, that Northwest corner or just having the feel that we do have separate buildings that are taking place. Uh, I think it just adds interest and it will break up the massing quite a bit. Uh, I'd like to see maybe a reduction in the rooftop uh, projections. Uh, there may be other ways to handle uh, ventilation uh, than having those high projections uh, pop up. Uh, 12 foot uh, sidewalks at a minimum, I think are appropriate. Um, I do agree that, that possibly that uh, south West uh, corner could be reworked and made a little bit more interesting uh, with maybe a different type of tree or, uh, or planter. Um, and I'm not comfortable with the metal siding on the east elevation. I just don't see how that works and I'd like to see that either eliminated or replaced with another material. 
Um, I also agree with enlarging the, the courtyard, the plaza spaces, if that's possible. Uh, but I think the elephant in the room is the massing and the height of the building. And I think we need to find some way to, to address that, either by reducing its height or possibly having more of a step back on at least three of the elevations. My, my sense would be to um, not go past uh, what is required in C1A as a um, commercial, you know, because we're considering buildings now around the mall that are going to be have, have that capability. But I do agree with the setbacking, um, particularly on um, the uh, northwest and um, south sides. The setback, perhaps a distance of at least 10 feet. 10. I'll leave that open. Yeah, is anything that we've said uh, agreeable to you? or? I have, I, I have in agreement with everything you're saying. Like I said, I'm not so problematic with the heights, but I think by stepping down in the, some key areas, I, I think it's very close in that regard, but it, I think, uh, again, I'd like to see a little more of it, especially on this corner right here. Um, I, I think, um, yeah, like, as you are saying, there is definitely better articulation on the front. I, mean, I can understand you, you know, that, that is kind of the, the front of the building per se, but I think there is, this is a, a street that I kind of deserves a little bit more attention as well from this angle. Would you be comfortable in articulating that direction? Well, as far as the, the corner or the, if you guys want to do the motion and start with the, the architecture, uh, I think you guys are better with the lingo than I, than I am. Mm -hmm. um, and I could help you fill in the other parts, but I, I think the question is, what do we, how do we agree, do we want to see this project come back? Or do you want to see it move forward with um, these these iterations or these changes that we're requiring? I think I'd be more comfortable with it coming back. How about you, Curtis? I would like to see the rework on the west facade. Yeah, I'm comfortable with coming back because even though this has gone through three, I, I feel for three different um, iterations, this is essentially a brand new project on this one. Oh, and I, I do have to agree it's much better than the others, but. Right, no, it's, yeah. it is, I mean, not yeah. to say that it is a huge improvement on what it was before, of those, those pri pr previous ones. It, it's go definitely going in a, in a good direction, but there are a few of these things that I think, um, with the massing and with the, the street streetscape and that, that that do I think would warrant a, a comeback. Staff, have you captured any of our statements? You typically do. I have. There's a lot of them. So if there's kind of general consensus on a, a few, I can read them all. And then if you want to discuss them all, just would that help? If you could read them, if any yeah. of us uh, are not comfortable with it, then we'll speak up and we can just assume that there isn't a consensus on that particular topic. Sure. Then I will pause after each one and look to you and then keep going. Does that sound good? Um, step down will help with the massing of the building, and then there was more discussion about that, particularly on this elevation adjacent to the Craftsman House. Yes. yes. Uh, preserve open space and 
uh, plaza space could be larger uh, along with the courtyard spaces or open space. Maybe just increase, so it could be larger and increase the size. Yes, yes. If, if they can do it, yes. Okay. Um, I, do, I do have a question about that. Um, the rooftop terrace is not counted towards open space in that building? Well, that was loud. Um, in the DTSB, uh, the open space is very prescriptive just to the courtyard. It doesn't calculate the rooftop spaces, but we do put that information in there that they are providing a certain amount of, of uh, open space in these varieties. There's prescriptive courtyard, and then there's general open space. Okay. So sidewalks need to be wider, 12 feet at minimum. Corner plaza with raised planter blocks, blocks building. Um, look at reworking that plaza space. Craig, yeah, consider even is that tree necessary? That large planter, you know, may, maybe considering that as a more of an open, open flex space, which would be dependent again on what type of business goes in that corner. Right. So that as that. The program was such that there was more of a flex spaces up on the top. I think that same concept could be applied to the corner. Yeah. And jacarandas are not native. Was that not? No. Okay. Um, agree with step backs on the northwest and south sides. Um, there was a comment of a, at least 10 feet. I don't know if we need to be prescriptive on the number of feet. Uh, I'm sorry, can you repeat that one again? Um, step backs on northwest and south side, and then there was a comment of at least 10 feet. Are you comfortable with 10 I, feet? I, I, yes. Okay. Oh. Santa Clara Street. So northwest and south. Are applying yes. to the, the sidewalks where kids, the sidewalks are driving. No, I, I was addressing step, the setbacks of the upper upper floor. Upper floors. Yeah. Okay. So this is step backs of the upper floor, correct? Yes. Okay. Setbacks of the upper floor. Yes. Yes. Um, don't like the metal siding on the east elevation. I'd say either eliminate or, or replace with another material. If there's consensus. I'm, I'm, I'm neutral on that, but okay, yeah, yes. Um, there was comment about the courtyard looking like a, f a forecourt um, and m moving it to the northwest corner of the building. No, I don't, I mean, I'm not going to put that in the motion. I think uh, it's a great idea. You talked about the appearance of separate buildings, three separate buildings. I think you addressed that, possibly the west. On the west facade, to treat that northern mat, the northern mass, like its own facade, like an independent facade design. Get that corner right there. N yeah. The no. The uh, northwest. The corner. other side. No, oh, oh, so yeah. the other one. So we see the massing beyond the um, courtyard. Mm -hmm. That mass 
should be treated like a, its own building. Well, I mean, to have its, you know, like the the window patterning is not um, consistent with a large downtown building with no uh, symmetry and a kind of the idea of um, a center and yeah yeah because you have the varying heights of the of the cornices the bases and stuff I would like it designed to appear to be a singular building. Now, whether you drop some floors at the corner, you can work to still make that look like. Yeah, and also at the top, because it just does not look like a standalone building. And you've tried so hard on other parts of the building to give that idea. That one looks like it's a side of something. That's what I'm getting at. And then, maybe the, and then wrapping that patio around further around that corner? Yeah. So, yeah. I think that would help. Seems like it's. Yeah, going that, right. Mm hmm. No, it's, it's, it's good to ask questions, because if you don't ask them now, you're going to ask them later. OK, anything um, else that we want to add? Reduction in rooftop projections was another comment. Uh, I might want to use the word minimize. Minimize the rooftop projections. Are you primarily referring to the chimney elements? Chimney elements, yes. I mean, are we talking about a height, a limitation on the height? Because then nothing should exceed that. Well, right? nothing's going to exceed you. Yeah, right. so I think that's sufficient. Is it? Okay. Well, I mean, don't you think? I, I'm it's, okay with them. Okay, that's fine. That's another way of doing it. They think it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's all the notes I had. Okay, then we need somebody to make a motion based... That would staff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the latter would be very challenging. Okay, so uh, can we have a motion based on uh, the items that have been discussed? I don't know if you can post that up on the. Uh, I, I, can make I, can't, I can't because we've got two separate computers going. I will attempt to make a motion. Okay. And you guys. All right. We'll work with you. Yeah, you can all amend mine. All right, uh, so I make a motion that we um, uh, see this project back to us. 
and we are asking for the following items that the building heights not exceed 75 feet the um, top floor should set back uh, 10 feet from the edge of the building right not from the property line from the edge of the building um, that uh, we preserve open space. What was that one? Uh, preserve. Oh, try to maximize. Maximize. Open space yeah. on the site. <coughs> the um, setbacks on Fur and Santa Clara be uh, 12 feet to be worked out between the city and the owner? Sidewalks. Sidewalks, I'm sorry. So a sidewalk widths 12 feet. All right. Um, to revisit the corner plaza space, to look at making the space perhaps larger by removing the tree? Yes, I think more open. More open, OK. Um, Remove the metal siding on the east facade. Remove or replace. To come back with a, a facade redesign on the northwest portion of the building on First Street. And that's all I have. No, I, I think not or, but remove and replace, not remove or place the metal siding. Can I get one more question for clarification? Did you say that all of the top floor would be set back? On the, I'm sorry, on the north, south, and west, west side. So, so all, of the pub, all of the public facing facades, the top floor should be set back? Yes, except on the east facade. That's all I had as part of my notes as well. 75% of the building needs to be less than 54 feet. Okay, so we have a, uh, a motion. Do we have a second? And then one last thing was like the corridors in the, uh, the podium level was, seems a little tight. What's that width, right? The, 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 the clearance between the planters and the, and the walls right now. Yeah, I would might consider shaving off a foot or so of those planters and make it a little more generous. It, it feels a little tight in the renderings out, and even on the plan, that would be my other thing to add to the motion. You include that? Yes. Okay. Do we have a second? You need a second? I'll second. Okay. Uh, Madam Clerk, would you please call the roll? Sure. Okay. So, Member Cormain. Yes. Member Kiesel? Yes. And Chair Antelman? Yes. Motion carries. Thank you. Okay, uh, we're going to proceed to staff communication. 
Is there anything you need to communicate to us or any of the members need to communicate? No, we don't. We'll have our next meeting in March and we'll see you all then. Okay. Oh, February, I'm sorry. Okay, then the meeting, is, ad meeting is adjourned. Thank you. Thank you.